following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star community radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. Hey, this is Jamie from Green River Ordnance. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Born to be kings, we're the princes of the All right. Hanging out in the studio, Lone Star Community Radio, IRLoneStar.com. Dick and Skippy in the mornings. You can listen to us worldwide, like I said, IRLoneStar.com slash live. And then you can uh, always listen locally here in the Montgomery County area at 104.5, 106.1 FM. And then, of course, we're on Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy. Hanging out. Uh, today's show, it is the 5th. Of August, we're brought to you by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Your small business office cleaning needs can be met, especially during this time where everyone wants to be sanitary. Uh, one-time cleaning to scheduled cleanings can be offered. Uh, 832-689-7996. CleanSweepOfficeCleaning.com for more information. Or visit their sponsor page on IRLoneStar.com slash Dick and Skippy. Uh, and then also C3, creative content creations, videos, social media, writing. If it's creative and tangible, they do it. So there you go. Special guest today is Terry Weaver. He's a local author and actor. Well, I guess I wouldn't say local actor. He's He's been on a TV show, a locally produced, that I think uh, we'll find out more about that. But you can find all the information about Terry Weaver in the description on our Facebook. And also if you're watching, listening on uh, YouTube or our podcast, we'll put the links to his books and things like that. But he'll be in around 10 o'clock. Looking forward to that. Until then, it'll be uh, Skippy and I hanging out with you guys. Feel free to chat at any time. We have a call in line, so if you're listening to the podcast version or watching the YouTube, you can always call in at any time, 936-228-9368, or text that number or email us at dickandskippy at gmail.com. Okay, yeah, we had a good show on Monday. Uh, Following, I think, next or this Friday, we're going to have a teacher in, Mm -hmm. uh, Lindsay Steele. She's going to talk about the programs and everything that's going on, from what I understand. Yep. Uh, that's Sean's person who... Uh, he, <laughs> it's he, my person. It's his person. It's my gal. It's one out of ten, so the rest being me. I'm pacing myself. So, uh, well, I think it's because you cheat on me. I think you're on other programs, and now you, you kind of... You, you, you got can't the, contain the skippy. Well, no, I think you're in, you're in coast mode here. I can tell by the t-shirts you've been wearing. 
No, the, and no, no. Well, the uh, and you're in coast mode, man. The the, the Hawaiian shirts are. St- if you notice, I didn't wear one at all before my 55th birthday. I turned 55. It's like, yeah, <laughs> but you're in coast I'm mode. I'm allowed now. You're no, in coast mode. I would never coast. I'd cheat on you, Dick, but I'd never coast on you. Yeah, I saw that you cheated on me uh, with some political show, and I know we, we're really uh, got to put a lid on politics here. But I mean, I would say that you still get your fill here when it comes to you well, spouting off your stupid opinions. Since you know you're. I didn't talk to you about this beforehand. Let me explain, because I'd love to get your perspective. I've been getting a lot of perspective on family and friends over the last 12, 16 hours. So, you know, I do a weekly webcast TV broadcast gig called Woodlands On Air, and I talk about Woodlands area news and events. You know, basic PR for the area, kind of, you know, do this, do that. I'll give... COVID, I'll do news also, but I'll give COVID updates or... Do you have, like, the death count up there, ticker? Yep. All that well, kind of stuff. The, I am the death count. You know, I'll tell people... I was looking at how to do that for the show. Because <laughs> some of our listeners love telling us about that. Yes. So. Um, fortunately, the death, the COVID-related death count here is extraordinarily low, and it's not upsurging. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, but Woodlands Online does several different video series, sports, yeah, and, and business. yeah, they're going to be featured on here. Wonderful! That's for the awesome. radio program. So that's it, awesome. It depends on the program. I have to, I have to be like, if Sean, Sean, no, Sean can only be on one program on Lone Star Community Radio. It is uh, Dick and Skippy in the morning. Yeah, I can guest on others, and that's the thing. So that one of their programs is called Purple Politics, and it's a lot like the old Hannity and Combs when Alan Combs was alive. You'd have Sean can Sean Hannity do the. The conservative view and Alan Combs do the liberal so view. So it would be a topic-based show, with, and then you would bring the two perspectives to that topic. Correct. Cool. And, well, this is a show that's been going for a well, while. You well, know, you know I'm liberal. Well, and this is why I love I'm like diehard our Marxists and stuff like that. The, well, is no, that I've, liberal? I, I've known, yes. What's liberal? Tell me what liberal is, and <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll try Marxist. to fit that mold. Marxist is, is most definitely liberal. Uh, their conservative voice, the, the, the representative... He couldn't make it this episode, and I had about an hour's warning notice. I got called in, can you come be this person? I'm like, well, I'm not the conservative you may think I am, plus, you know, I don't have a lot of time to to prep. What are the topics? You know, I literally had an hour to get to that studio. Hadn't met this woman before who's the uh, lady, uh, nice lady named Amy who's the liberal voice. And we had the we had the show, and it was it was interesting. It was good, good debate, good discussion. You know, I do love civil discourse. Mm-hmm. Well, almost immediately afterwards, I was informed, I was asked to become the new permanent co-host of this show, yeah. based on my performance with this one. And I was really, I said, you got to give me time to think about this. We, we're shooting another episode tomorrow, where I said, okay, still have me as the guest. Because so today you're having uh, tomorrow, tomorrow Thursday. So you've already filmed it today. We filmed the first episode last week. Uh, okay. And based on that, they said we want you to do it full time. Well, we're filming a second episode tomorrow. And do you I know told, the topics and stuff. No, but at least I'll have more than an hour to to get them. Here's my take on it. So we well, don't want to hear. You asked me for my take. Well, let me let me give you the so, yeah, thing of to respond you to. You have to go. For, whose names first on this show? You, you got me there. I mean, you got me there. I was kidding. Yes, I already. Well, uh, let me ask a couple of questions before we go into your take. Sure. Uh, how long is the show? Uh, it's supposed to be about a half hour, but we turned it into almost an hour. Yeah, politics usually does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, what's the age difference between 
the two hosts. Do you know? She I'm not trying to age you, but I, if she's, pro- I never guess a lady's age. I've been divorced too many times, but I would presume she's no more than ten years younger than I am. Ten years younger than you are. Okay. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not like a young. Oh God, it sounds horrible. I was about to say a young ideologue, and I did not mean that at all. It's not like she's a Gen Z or something throwing Molotov cocktails. Well, their voices don't count. So, uh, no, we're, we're comparable in education, okay. stance, and age. Okay. Okay. I'm okay. That's kind of cool. Uh, do you talk anything about local politics, or yeah. is it primarily just like here's the hot politic topic that Hannity talked about? On well, Monday. I see. Again, I hadn't even watched a previous episode of this. I went into this blind. And so I told her, I was like, listen, I'm going to let you talk and lead the way, and I'll hop on board. And so she took advantage of that for the first half of the show that we filmed already. I let her talk, and then she turned over to me, and I'd say, oh, interesting perspective, here's mine. And the first one we actually kind of like, agreed on. <laughs> no, no, we actually agree- agreed on the first topic for the most part. Um, so we're kind of, okay, right now, and that was local. That was county. You, that was county budgeting. Listening to our show right now, mm-hmm. where can they go find the show after this? Woodlandsonline.com. Okay. And just go to videos tab and it's called Purple Politics and see Woodlands on what air too. What was the tab called? Well, videos, videos. The videos tab. Okay. All right. So here's my take on it. So when we first talked about the show together, me and you, you and I, you know, our Are you and I, original say mornings wrong? with Lone Star. Did I say it incorrectly? Is that why you corrected me? My mom does it all the time. Oh uh, no, I th- I believe you did say I it correctly. Said me and you. Yes. Okay. Good. Or you and I doesn't matter in this context. Both fit. But we talked about, because it, it was like, I think the next morning we talked about it, and I showed up the next morning to do a show. And then back then it was mornings with Lone Star, with yeah. Dick and Skippy. Very generic. Very generic. In fact, the first hour or so we just played music as we talked off the air, and then we, we, we did the nitty-gritty, if you remember those early days. But one of the first questions we decided is, well, what's, gonna, what's the name of the show going to be? Uh, mornings with Lone Star with Dick and Sean. And I said, let's go with Skippy, because that's kind of a character or a public persona? Oh, I have no idea. Well, I, honestly, I did not know. I thought it was just a nickname. Well, it is a nickname. It's very much so. Because, I mean, you could say Dick's a nickname. True. Because it's not on my driver's it, it, license. It, exactly. And, Actually, it might be now. I don't know. And, see, I can say and postulate things as Skippy that aren't all Sean. And everyone who has a, a public forum, they do present this character like the whole Ellen thing we talked about. Ellen DeGeneres, who I think is being unfairly just raked across the coals, what she conveys on the TV, because like, oh, she seems so nice on the TV. Of course she does. That's her job. She's paid a lot of money to look nice on TV. She doesn't bring in any PMS, any arguments with the wife, any tax troubles, any yeah. you know, I mean, you know, just, road it's, rage. It's, it's a perfect you o- leave it behind. style show. Where it's yeah, you leave afternoon. it behind, and this is the public persona. Yeah. You, so there. That's why my president's page isn't Sean for president. So Skippy what's, for president. what does this have to do with this purple show? Okay, so with purple you and politics. I, I'm Skippy. Okay, and again, people can in their minds they can kind of separate Skippy from Sean. Uh, no, they cannot. Mm. If they listen to our show more than like three episodes, they're getting the full on Sean. True, but it can be couched under the name of, Sk- and I've probably been kind of hiding behind that that thought. With this purple politics, no, there's no. Not, I don't think you present that to our listeners at all. Oh, cool! I'd love to. Get, I'd love to get the perspective on that because I think they they just know you. Most of the listeners know you personally, but it's, it's the ones that don't know me that I try to reach. Yeah, but they better. still get to know you easily. Mm-hmm. But they, I mean, they probably don't know your name, Sean, because we don't use Sean. 
Well, we do now. Great. Just, why don't you give up my home address while you're at it? Oh, no. You're you took off the glasses. Me. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no. I mean, like, I, I, this is here's the thing. Like the other video series I do with it's on online is to everybody. You know, news yeah. and events. It's not, well, here's the Republican convention. So are you saying if you ever got in trouble on Dick and Skippy in the mornings, you'd be like, oh, that's Skippy. That's a character. Well, is that what well, you're... Well, it's not unusual. How many how many DJs do you think are out there in the Houston market that that's their real name? Sam Malone? Yeah, but that's just a catchy name. Well, no, they do that for a purpose because it's, it's for being able to sell it. This is a character I'm playing. Yeah. Adam Smasher, Sam Malone. Um, most of them who are DJs um, give give a fake do do a fake name outlaw Dave, uh, so forth and so on. That's not unusual in the radio world. In fact, it's kind of expected. Now, if you're a it's probably true, so you can start your own business and like have a, like that's how you find. Well, it's your also stuff. the um, opinions given by this person don't necessarily reflect the opinions yeah. of, of the show. And outlaw Dave or Adam Smasher can say things that would get the real person in trouble. Like Outlaw Dave can talk. Dave can talk I mean, that's about how oh, I got totally. You know, I I dropped. I took cocaine last night. Ha ah, ha. Well, you can't buzz him because well, I'm just you know that was Outlaw Dave and it was Dave and it was a character. Or you just say he made it up. Made it up, right? But so, I didn't get that feeling at all about so Skippy at all. My, well, my two aspects about the show, which concerned Horrible. me last night, was one: I'm not a pure conservative. I'm really not. I have some strong. I think concern. you're just argumentative. Sure, I'll take it. Or opinionated. Opinionated. I'll What's answer. a hybrid word between those two things? I mean, opinionative. Yeah. Arginated. Arginative. Yeah, I'm arginative. Uh, and in fact, if you watch this episode of Purple Politics that that went up last night, the first topic I pretty much agreed with her on, and it involved County Commissioner James Nowak and some funding for nonprofits. And so I kind of surprised her by saying, oh, yeah, that was unconscionable, and I gave my reasons why, and I also said I can't presume to know his thought process, but I believe his heart was in the right place, and this is how I'd fix this going forward. The next topic was something I did not agree with at all, and I told her we're not going to agree on this one. And I realized a lot of she's she's very, very, very liberal. I still don't know what that means. Defund the police, take away their money, so forth and so on. Yeah, but I feel like that's just a script. But, okay, well, she's reading the liberal script, then, or the liberal play. Oh, I had no idea that. I don't, read, I don't think liberals have always said that in their entire If I were a true of, counterpart for her, because here's the thing. That, she's though? a local Democratic chair. She's a precinct chair. So I'd have to be a Republican precinct chair to be her true opposite in this show, which means I didn't want the show to either skew left because— Is defund the police an actual liberal philosophy? It or is now. Is, well, I mean, like— According to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it is. Okay. Because you have people saying, we don't mean to fund the police. And she's saying, yes, we do. So there well, you go. That lady. It's just, she's, a, she's a duly elected congresswoman. She reminds woman. me of like, what if you? If that's the kind of person you don't want to work with, kind of like similar to working with Trump. Because you probably don't know what you're going to expect the next day. And when she says stuff like that, you're like, do I really have to put a press release out? Huh? But she's why. a duly. Rep- uh, uh, Are they going to win? Are the, Do you think a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of shifts? Oh, it's already starting. We had Democratic primaries last night. Any disappointments? Well, sorry, we had Democratic and Republican primaries last night. Well, yeah, there was a um, AOC, a new member of the squad, as it were, you know, the, the young Democratic females, yeah. who won a primary against an established, and they're both black, they're both Democrats, but the 
incumbent was someone who'd been serving for 30 years, and actually his father had served pretty much the same seat. It was a so you can say, well, it's time for new blood, or you can say, well, there's a church yeah. tradition there. But the 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 lady won with kind of the you know hellfire stance behind her. Who's this? I can't. I'm, I'm sorry. I I read about this morning. I, I can't remember her name offhand. Okay. But so in that case, and I think that was I want to say Kentucky that went down. I mean, I can look it up. I have a computer in front of me. Wonderful. It is so she, per, uh, Corey Bush. Yes, thank you. Corey Bush won. Look how easy that was. Yes, fifty-two political dynasty. So Corey Bush years. won, and still not got an incumbent on a on a brand of you know, rock the vote as it were. Yeah. But on the Republican primary, there were two people vying for a seat. One of them. You see a Democrat? Yeah, he was a Democrat. Oh, yeah. Well, these are the primaries. This is where the the same party runs against each other Um. to figure out who's going to represent them in the general. On the Republican side, there is a firebrand, you know, hellfire and brimstone, uh, ultra-right guy who lost to a more centrist Republican last night in the primary. So the Republican side seems to be, listen, we're we're going centrist. We're, you know, and on the Democrat side, there seems to be this ongoing thing of— no, You're not no. liberal enough. You know, we got to go far left, and we're seeing the shift to left. And I think it's going to leave a lot of disenfranchised centrist Democrats who are like, I can't, because pretty soon there's going to be nothing separating Joe Biden from Bernie Sanders when it comes to platform. I don't see a problem with that. Well, if that's the case, they would have gone with Bernie Sanders. DNC knew that they couldn't go with Bernie Sanders because it's too far left at this moment in time. And so the same way with, with this the show that they asked me to be a part of, it's like if I do my opinions, which aren't fully conservative, I'm not representing a lot of the pure conservatives of Montgomery County. On your show. That's what you're afraid of. On the of. show. Or I would have to start say, playing devil's advocate, and just I hate it, that phrase. Why don't you just go from the debate perspective? You well, that's what I, that's yeah. what I decided. Because what, well, what happened was— You go to, win, you go to debate to win. If, <laughs> right. If you look at the my Facebook post, I've got a lot of family and friends responding to it, and it's pretty much split right down the middle. And I realized, so no matter what I do, not everyone's going to be happy, but it's not my job to make everyone happy. And then what happened was my son called me last night about 10.30. He's like, Dad, I was going to call you in the morning, but I, just, I couldn't not talk. And we had a very long conversation. It was amazing. I love my adult son. He is quite the man. And... Basically, he boiled it down to, and I told him it was a low blow. I this opportunity doesn't come to a lot of people, and the people it comes to very few. He said that I tend to say things that a lot of people may be thinking, but some are afraid to to opine because of cancel culture. I'm not. I want people to like me. Yeah, I mean, I almost have a pathological need for it, but I don't mind pissing people off. I probably tick three people off before I have my second cup of coffee every morning. So it's not that, oh, they're, you know, they're not going to like me. I'm going to get them mad at me. I don't mind about that. I just, again, it was, I don't want to say the brand of Sean or Skippy, but this is the first time that I've been doing a show that's not for everybody. Well, it is for everybody, but I mean, my perspective. Because, like, in the theater world, it's very important to me to, uh, to have the utter trust of my cast and crew. And I've already in the theater world lost several people that I respected or acted with just because I supported not even the president, the Secret Service. And it was it was really bizarre. And so I've realized 
okay, well, I won't be acting with you anymore. Oh, well, but I want people to be able to come to me in that professional context. Well, I mean, I think if uh, the more and more you do your own opinions, it, it the especially with today's age, it's going to keep building until one day someone pulls one of those up and goes, you believe this X, Y, Z. And some people are going to be absolutists with it. They're going to be like, I'm, I can't be your friend just because of... And I've know. lost some, and, and it hurts. It really does. Now, but for everyone I've lost, I have like a Jay Sittleberg in my life. Well, I mean, that, I mean, if people if people disagree with you that much, where they can't be your friends, then do you really want to waste your one life you have worrying about that stuff? And that's what I mean. That's how I look at every it. Every friend I've lost or every divorce I've had, my conscience is clear that I did all I could. You know, as flawed as I am, you know, uh, <clears throat> I've had a couple of you know romantic relationships go bad, and two of them were absolutely and utterly my fault. I feel bad about it. I apologize for it. But I, you know, it's, it happens. I've done all I could. If I, as you just said, if I lose friends over a stance, I'll know I, I, I've done all I can. If someone wants to defriend me because they say, well, if you're a Republican, you're a racist. Well, how can you make money from the show? Get sponsors. Same thing with, same thing with us here. And here's the thing. This gives me yet another platform that a lot of people don't have. And if I don't, here's the thing, if I don't do it, who do they get? And I feel it would be, it would be a local Republican chair who's going to espouse the Republican Party line, and the two will never meet. Well, that's the whole point of the show. If I have a particular brand of conservatism. That's the whole point of the show. <laughs> Come on, man. How do you think Hannity got so successful? Combs died. No, he just argues no, all Co- the time. No, seriously. Just stupid stuff. No, no, no. Hannity and Combs was an awesome show. Go watch some old YouTube versions of it. It's an amazing no. show because they the, the two of them truly respected each other. I mean, I would do it if you could try to if you could springboard your name and not not this Skippy crap. Well, it is it is going to be my name. So that's what I'm saying. If you got springboard, you your can't name, have purple politics with Skippy. Yeah, you can. Well, you can, but no one's going to take. I feel like it's like a 1940s politician. <laughs> Skip Thompson. Yeah, that sounds cool. Well, that's why I'm Skippy, not Skip. But uh, yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, if you're afraid of if you're afraid of alienating people. And they base it off of a show that's about having a conversation, and they don't want to have a conversation with you about it. Again, it's not a fear of alienation. It's the fear of— You get the boot, It was the fear of compromising the integrity of the show by either not being right enough to to represent that side or to disingenuously take those stances that I don't necessarily believe in. Well, I mean, are you a registered Republican? There is no such thing in Texas. Oh, there isn't? No. Really? There's no registration. Well, I was always told there was. You, know, you can be you can be a registered Democrat in I think California or something, but in Texas, there's no registration of a party. You just walk into the uh, well, the, how did, the polling how, place. How and did you back say, in the day? Back in the day, how did how do you get like pamphlets and stuff to inform you what the Republican Party's doing? Because your voting records show, okay. So there wasn't like a sign up thing. You don't you don't contact. I don't know. The I, don't RN, know. I don't know if in Texas it's always RNC, been that. Whatever it is, I don't know if it has always been that. But here's the thing. All you got to do is just go onto one GOP site and sign up. You know, yeah, yeah I want to get And it, it gets sold to everybody in the universe. Well, yeah, you go and you go to the but show. But just like, yesterday, I, I got out. another text from Beto O'Rourke's pack, people, progressive people or whatever it's called, asking, who are you going to vote for this time? And it's like, how did Beto get my number? There is nothing anywhere in my DNA, except that I'm in Texas, that would indicate that, I would vote for that, Beto O'Rourke. That strategy of 
canvassing or whatever you want to call it. It turned me it, off. It's always interesting to me about how effective that stuff is. Because I was reading this article about uh, how Obama, Obama's organization or whatever, when he was running for, I think it was his first year as president, or it might have been his second term, is how Facebook gave him access to a lot of data that they didn't give anyone else access to. Mm. And it just happened because whoever was on Obama's team was smart enough to understand, hey, if we get this data from Facebook, we can really understand the individuals and what they're doing. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, how do you, but how, when you understand them, what strategies do they do they directly implement from having that info? Because I don't really get that. I, don't, I wish I could understand that world of uh, convincing somebody to go vote and then vote for them. Because that's my biggest uh, head scratch is like, how do you really convince somebody who's already going to vote this way because of how polarizing this world is? Mm-hmm. And I'm because, like, believe it or not, a lot of elections are decided by the undecided who wait yeah, until the but, last second I mean, to make their decision. Who? What do you think the percentage of people today are undecided? A lot? Right now, especially when you have I two, think a lot of people don't want to vote. I think there's more people out there than the undecided are like, I really don't care. Well, it's, I don't want to vote for either one of these two yeah. people. And that's why I threw my name out there. Got a couple of good questions I can't or, or get statements. Any, I can't get any of the... Uh, oh, there they are. Yeah, no, Brett did point out uh, Alan Combs resigned before he died. Absolutely. I was kind of being flippant. Um, but, I mean, there was... When Hannity and Combs was on, then became like the Hannity Hour or something than Hannity. But that show was unique that there are very few where you have a liberal and a conservative sitting down discussing and it not someone not shutting off shutting the other one down or throwing a pen uh, down you know or I think you know what I think out. happened with the the mainstream media I was thinking about this the other What's day What's that? Is I think the the way corporations or big media companies were buying each other and the way contracts worked I really think that contracts put a huge restriction on what people can do and say mm-hmm. and having that access to a, a high profile person being on another station because I was thinking about you know remember, remember that question I asked like I think it was with Jay it was like four months ago three months ago about why do you always see the same senator or, or government reps yeah but I remember you like, asking that like how many reps are actually on TV but there's over like 500 something reps across the board well that's government. where your your party headquarters yeah. the RNC and says so, okay you're not you yeah, are not going to talk about this we're, it's taxes we're giving it to Congressman yeah, Brady so you know you know that this that decisions made on these things, mm-hmm. and I bet same oh, thing. when you get a rogue, that's where the funny stuff well, that's happens. What, that's when you. I think that's what's happening to hosts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Is they're basically going like you cannot go on Fox News ever. Like if you ever go on Fox News, it nulls your contract. And I think that's. I think that has to do with even the smaller people, even even like the guests. On, well, even an existing contract. It's like, I can imagine it, someone saying, "Oh, you want on Fox News? That goes against your morals clause because Fox is evil." Well, no, like that's. I think it's like kind of like Dosido. If you perform at Dosido, I think they have like it's either a twenty-five million or not twenty-five million, twenty-five uh, square mile or like fifteen square mile where you cannot perform anywhere else. Oh yeah, in a, in a, that's fine. Same, you know, same thing with theaters. That's uh, when you get the rights to put on a show. Yeah. One of the things that the publisher looks that. for is, is anyone else within a 25, 30, 50-mile radius putting on the same show at the same time? If so, you can't do it. Uh, we, uh, we have to have Terry Weaver sign a thing when he gets here, so you can't be on any right? other show. Oh, I, actually, you got to sign something, by the way, that says you can't be a host of any other show. I didn't tell you that. Oh, man. Now, that this gets me out of it. That gets me out of this it. This is embarrassing. Dennis actually raised a very good question, this and is... I want to answer it. He asked, are you an entertainer or aren't you? And that, I think, is the difference between Skippy and Sean. 
As Skippy, I'm an entertainer all the well, way. Well, when you're acting, do you put Skippy on there? Uh, sometimes I do. Not when I'm directing, because that's a professional gig. Man. If, I, so if I'm director but an actor. Silly stuff. If I'm acting in a show that I'm directing in, or if I'm running tech in a show that I've directed, I'll change it to Skippy. Because I don't want it to be the Sean show. Because uh, again, my professional name is Sean K. Thompson, not Sean Thompson. It's just one of those things. So as Skippy, I'm an entertainer. On this show, I'm an entertainer. I try to inform ed- and educate, but also entertain. So you're like Lamb Chop. I am Lamb Chop and you're Sherry Lewis oh, with, with so your good. hand up my ass. I like it. The way I like it, too. Um, this show, it would not be entertainment. It would be purely for education and information. So yeah, I, unfortunately, I can be both, and, and much like you can have I mean, an I, actor. I dig it. I yeah. think you should do it. I don't understand why we're still talking about this. It's boring. Okay, Brett. We got said thirty more minutes. Four thirty-eight. I have no idea what that means. Four thirty-eight. Did we say something that involved numbers? Oh, how many people government represent representatives are there? Oh, oh, in the high, people. In yeah. the high thing. I, okay, thank you, thank you. Because you only it. see like you only see like twenty of them, twenty-five of them. And this is in the age, and of, rightfully so. This is the age of YouTube and stuff. So you're like, where's all the crazy people? Like, you know, there's going to be that one fridge governor person or whatever going like, yeah, we still believe in snakes. Bring God to my veins when I get them to bite me. Oh, I still love the in the I want that Attorney kind of General stuff. Bar hearings. One of the guys that was wailing oh, on him was oh my gosh, dude, was the same guy that was afraid that Guam would flip over because there were too many I, troops uh, on one side of the island. I saw a great movie. What? What'd you see? Next of Kin, with Patrick Swayze. Liam Nielsen. Why does it sound uh, familiar? Bill Paxton. Who else is in there? Wow, uh, great, great. Uh, Helen lineup. Hunt. Wow, wonderful Helen lineup. Hunt? I don't know. Oh, it's it's like an 80s movie, and it's hilarious. Okay, what's it called again? It has Ben Stiller in it. Wow. It has that one, that Republican guy you like, uh, Baldwin. Fred Dalton Thompson. Something Baldwin. Stephen Baldwin? He's not a Baldwin brother, though. It's like another Baldwin. Oh, Adam Baldwin. Yeah, he's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's on HBO. I saw the... Think Next of, of kin. What's it about? Patrick Swayze's the main character. Uh, it's about. Uh, it's in Chicago, and Patrick Swayze is a quote hillbilly, uh, but he's a cop. He's from the mountains. That's what the every, every hillbilly every, mountain every, cop. Every Chicago cop keeps. He's like you're from the you're one of the mountain men, and then it has some great actors in it. And uh, like his brother Bill Paxton. Uh, Wait, whose brother? Uh, that's Patrick Swayze's brother. Patrick Swayze's brother, brother, younger brother. He gets him out of the mountains to come work for, you know, up to basically clean up his life. Like there's a better life here. Mountains not really good for anyone. Well, anyway, inadvertently the mafia kills his brother, so blood feud starts with the mountain people, and that's Liam Nielsen's the oldest brother. He's like Rambo. Oh, oh, it's it is ridiculous. And uh, is it a comedy or a dramedy? Or? I, I, I no, it's the standard 80s action B movie like it, it, they try to do it serious but the accents are like imagine Liam Nielsen trying to do like Commando like doing a, a hillbilly accent and like, <laughs> and then like Patrick Swayze is trying to do a hillbilly accent and like they're trying to hillbilly it all the way up and uh, yeah next to Ken I, I, I thought of you when I watched it I was like this movie is so ridiculous and uh, it was very enjoyable it's my type of, it's definitely my type of movie because Holly hates that kind of stuff. And I'm like, this is great. What I'm going to look that up. See, if it's on something that's not HBO, I'll absolutely so, watch it. Yeah, I wanted to tell you that. Next and of Ken. Thank you for that. Yeah, next of Ken. I myself am about to start binging. Murder feuds. Or blood feuds. <laughs> about blood feuds. Blood feuds. I myself am about to start a binging Lucifer again because the new season of Lucifer oh, okay. is about to come out. That's nice. That shows. I mean, it's all right. It's very entertaining. 
right. And I, I love the acting, and the acting is actually better than it needs to be for a show like I, that. You know what's funny about those kind of shows? Is that really is a show made for the public. It's like a very entertaining, not a lot of risks, and it's kind of like, especially what TV, it should be what TV is. It takes you out for a minute, and you're yeah. enjoying it, and you go back in, and then like, you know, there it is. Well, I just finished binging a rewatch of The Orville, which yeah. I maintain I'll I'll swear. Do you now, think the Orville is going to be the best Star Trek show? One of those shows that like it's like that's what the one that appeals to Star Trek is. It's so rewatchable, but it's also so relatable in generations. That's the thing, and it made me realize the difference. Star Trek in the past, the original Star Trek, was all about the social commentary, yeah. interracial kids, you know, racism. Uh, the communists, I mean, you name it. It was very socially messaged. What's happened is Star Trek has become politically messaged, and now there's a difference. No, the new Star Trek, we don't have to talk about it. It's trash. But, I mean, just oh, over the years, you saw a shift that became less trash. social, more political. Same thing with Doctor Who. So Doctor Who was wonderful about social commentary, then became political commentary. And the second they had a Chris Noth playing a Trump guy on a Doctor Who episode, I stopped watching because it was lazy. The Orville takes it back to social commentary. Yeah. Now, of course, Seth MacFarlane is very vocal about his he's own personal have political. Yeah, but he's also very vocal in real life about his political sense, but it doesn't bleed over. Not yet. Like Aaron Sorkin's did in The West Wing. You can't help but go, well, this guy's, you know, Democrat. Because Seth MacFarlane realizes what made Star Trek, Star Trek was the social commentary. There was this episode where they're on a planet much like modern-day Earth, where every it's a it's an absolute democracy. You you have tags on you that have up and down buttons, and if someone likes you, they hit up, and if they don't like you, they hit down. And if you do something that a million people don't like, you're arrested and charged with the crime because that's what the people want. And you have like 24 hours to go on all the talk shows and and do an apology tour. And at the end of it, if you get 10 million votes against you, you get lobotomized. And, and they have a woman from this planet that they're trying to get this information what, what from. What channel is it on? Well, now it's on Hulu. But it was Fox. And, it, you know, it moved over to Hulu. But in this episode, they get a woman up there from this planet to say, listen, we're, you know, we're aliens. We're trying to get our, because our guy got, one of the crew members got caught up in this. And she's asking, they're asking, what kind of society is this? She's like, everyone gets a, a voice. Everyone gets a vote. That's the way it should be. And they're like, okay. She said, well, what's your government? And they say, well, we elect representatives to speak on our behalf. And she's like, that doesn't make any sense. You don't get a, a vo voice and everything. So it it presents both sides in a very serious social issue about, you know, take it down to popular vote versus electoral college versus, you know, the danger of, of voting by pushing a button, you know, just at, at home watching TV, the knee-jerk reaction. It's wonderful. Uh there are gender issues and, and gay issues and all that, but they're all socially presented, well, not politically. Well, there we go. Yeah. We'll check it out. Well, we got Terry Weaver coming in uh, pretty soon. So, we got any other hot topic button, hot button topics you want to cover? I want to, for all those innocent people who perished and were injured or whose livelihoods disrupted by the Beirut explosion yesterday, it looks pretty nice, doesn't I it? am sending all my happy hooju vibes, which is all I can send. How long do you think it's going to take for them to tell you what happened? <laughs> we'll never know fully what happened. Well, yeah, I mean, because now, here's the I thing. Mean, I feel like there's a guy who, or a lady, whoever, knows bombs. They know, like, if they see an explosion, they know colors, they know radius. They if know. they're not a government agent, 
and they go on the air, then the government will provide someone giving the exact opposite, whether it's true or not. Yeah. You know, it's all supposition. And I can tell you that Lebanon is not going to come out and say, yep, we had a bomb factory there with Iranian missiles. You caught us. So there, we're never going to know for sure. There will always be denial and deniability. And it could have been, you know, it could very well have been, I think, the, the excuses a fireworks factory bled over into a magnesium warehouse or something like that. Nitrate, nitrate. Nitrate. Yeah, yeah, sorry, nitrate warehouse. Anyone idiotic enough to put a nitrate warehouse next to a fireworks factory kind of, I don't want to say deserves an explosion, but, you know, it's not proper planning. Intelligence will indicate otherwise. I believe fully in the American and global intelligence network for the most part. Yeah, but I guess the nice thing about us to our, our, us normal people is we don't really need to know. Well, and I'm very firm about that. This whole the public has a right to know not everything. Well, not that. I mean, more of it's like unless it's information like don't mix these two types of soaps, and this is what. Yeah, happened. don't mix bleach and ammonia. Yeah, like this. That's, that's yeah. The, no he, matter what was there, I don't care if it was a bomb factory filled to the brim with Iranian missiles. Uh, and actually, there's something else I want to say about this. No, but no, no, no. It's about Twitter. Uh, but innocent people died. A lot of innocent lives were shattered, literally and physically, and, and literally and figuratively. And they don't deserve whatever happened. Happened. I'll say that. Now, yesterday on Twitter, there was a football player who went on saying, "This is an atomic bomb." Because look at the mushroom cloud, and it got retweeted like, like ten thousand. Well, no, that was insane because people starting to panic. And I I went to report this tweet saying this is false information. This is not a this is not an atomic weapon. This is dangerous. And of all the reasons, Twitter, really? yeah, because people are just going. It was getting tweeted left and right and left and right. Oh my God, it's an atomic bomb. The, panic people are dangerous people. Yeah, but when you panic about that being an atomic bomb, what is? I mean, but here's the thing: it was an atomic bomb. It was obvious because there'd be no Beirut at that time. But when I went to report this tweet on. Twitter to say this is, contains false information, they don't give you that option to report a tweet. They'll say only if it's false information in regards to a political rally. But I was trying to find, is it threatening to you? No. Uh, is it uh, is it false information about a political rally? No. Then, okay. I had, just do, I had to do a generic, this is dangerous. And that made no sense. That, that combined with this morning... We were talking about the George Floyd body cam video, and I was looking for yeah. it online, and I did a Google search. And what staggered me that on the Google, just a straightforward Google search, George Floyd body cam footage video is what I, what I, the entire first two pages were all, and you'd have to say CNN, Washington Post, uh, there was not a single Fox News or Breitbart listing for this until the third page. They're way down. Now, many people use Fox News. Ratings indicate a lot of people watch I got Fox, Fox News. Yeah, well, here we had lo- We had the independent. Uh, Two days ago, I got it right here. The UK Independent, which is a, a rag in England. Daily Mail. Yeah, well, you got the Daily Mail. These are foreign things, and they get higher I hits. Re- I just reported you to Twitter radio. You did? False information. Awesome. There is definitely algorithms going on with Google. As to who sees what. Yeah, it's always Breitbart like has lost literally, I, I found this out yesterday, yeah, 99% horrible. of their, but they lo- they've lost 99% of their hits because they're way down the list. There's an algorithm, but their on-site that. hits I don't show that, that more people 
go there for information. Like, watch. Let's let's check this out. What, what are you typing up I'm here? Look at your body cam footage, though. Okay. All right, going down. Yeah, it's local. It's big ones, and it goes local, and then it gets kind of. Yeah, I like how friend. Channel Two's was disturbing body cam footage. Yeah. When you put a descriptive like that, that's not a headline. That's your that's your op-ed. Keep looking. Well, I mean, I'm looking at bluelivesmatter.com. I'm going to get that one. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at How a... How do we a, know what that is? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let, let's go with major... Tacticallife.com. Yeah, how, how about a major is. news network that's not liberally slanted? NPR was like number 40 for me, mm-hmm. which is interesting. There we go. But uh, yeah, the, the, I think it's interesting, uh, the, the conspiracy theory with the, the recording is it was in a mask. Like the camera to record the video was in a mask. Oh, oh, oh! Which I thought was pretty ingenious, if that's true. Because don't see what you can get those those little dashboard cameras that are the yeah, size of a you know tic tac. So yeah. that's probably how they got it. Okay, Brett, maybe, Brett or Bob or Simon, one of you older guys who are listening with me. Back in the seventies, there was a TV show called Search or Search Two or something about you had like your typical seventies action star like. James Franciscioska, and but he had like this magic, not magic, this amazing uh, a ring that had a camera in it, and he could go out and fight crime and and beat bad guys because he'd have like a a, a necklace with a medallion. The medallion had a camera and a microphone built into it, and it was so high tech in the sixties and seventies. Well, what was the name they, of that show, people? That's how they got it. Yeah, nowadays it's it's nothing. You can have literally a pinhead camera, camera the size of a pinhead. Well, I mean, uh, what's interesting to me about the camera footage, uh, really... And this now, we're is, talking about the George Floyd yeah, body cam footage. Because it's leaked. Which, which it was, was leaked. leaked. And from what I understood about the processes, it was available to the public, but you had to go through these hoops. And make an appointment. Make an appointment. Sign up, put your name on it. Yeah, and you get to view it. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me about that is... That's, and, but it was also previously open to journalism. Journalists. Well, that's what I'm saying. I haven't heard anything about it until it was leaked. And you think somebody, are you not allowed to report on it if you went in there and saw it? Because I couldn't do like... Abs- no, no, absolutely. You could say that George Floyd, and this is a heavy topic, and I don't want to be glib on anything, but it was very compelling to have a guy on the ground with a knee on his neck saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. But when you have additional footage, much like Nick Sandman, uh, you yeah. know, the, the, the kid... Well, that's what worries me When about he says it 30 times what, before he's on the ground. What's the What's the reason behind... Keeping the footage close to the chest, but still letting people see it. When you, for to one sense, for one avenue or the other, need to promote an agenda. Now, that's why in the legal field, sometimes you know you have open clo- courtrooms, you have closed courtrooms, you have uh, you well, have prosecutors saying this, this is evidence, ha- this is evidence, but we we can't release it to the public because it'll taint the jury pool or well, yeah, so it'll affect our investigation. Place, from what I understand, in March, mm-hmm. so there's, there's a good time between now and then. Mm-hmm. And I believe this was leaked because the Chauvin, the the cop who's on the hook for this, I personally believe was overcharged. Now he needed to be charged, but with second degree murder. That's iffy, and this footage really throws that into sharp relief. The guy said, I don't want to go in the cop car because I'm claustrophobic. But Okay, so here's the other side of this. If I had been pulled over by a cop 
and I'm saying, you know, and I'm freaking not, saying not, I can't breathe. We're not forensic experts here. Yeah, but so I'm saying. I can't really give an opinion. I mean. Bingo. We're not forensic experts, but I am also the person to admit that if I were in a detainment situation going, guys, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. They would take me a little bit more seriously. I can't be denied. As opposed to George Floyd, who was very agitated, and but saying I'm claustrophobic. Well, if I go in the I cop mean, car, I'll die. I, well, Don't I make will me go say in there. I can't breathe. It, he he did look like he was he wasn't connecting of what was really happening. What was very telling to me is that there was a female voice at one point when I watched the video. I presume it's his girlfriend, but it was not a cop saying stop resisting. I mean, well, I could. Like I played he, it. He so seemed like he didn't really. Even someone not a cop saying he was resisting. No, he, did he deserve to die? Absolutely not. And this is where you don't have to say that. Well, no, I do because people say, "Oh, so you're glad he got killed? You think these cops should get off?" No, what happened was a horrible tragedy. Was it preventable? Yes, on all sides. It was a perfect storm of just total but, screwery. Yeah. It's kind of well. The reason I wanted to talk about it because it would uh, what interests me is where's the legal reason or like the on paper reason why they didn't release the body cam footage. And then but why but also they made the decision to do the XYZ of keeping it, you had to sign up, you had to do all this stuff. You need to control it. It's chain of evidence. I know, but like chain of uh, chain of custody but for why evidence. let the public see it at all. I just be like, hey, we're currently doing it. Because we become a society now that leaks are now the norm. And an absence of a leak means, well, this doesn't exist, well, do or someone believe, would have leaked it. Do you believe that in the going going from now on, the people are going to say, "Hey, body cam footage needs to be released immediately"? No, because no, do you, do you think it if, should not? Do you think if this body cam footage was released in within like the week of it at the event, do you think they would have had such a big uh, protest slash riot kind of stuff? We'll never know. What I'm asking you, what do you think? I I. I would like to think, yes, that we could keep on target with well, the protest. Because what creeps me out about this It's like kind the hands stuff, up, don't shoot. Well, Even though it's debunked, people still say it. Well, that's what they, creeps they, me out. Like, what creeps me out most about the police brutality conversation is no one's really got an answer about that Brianna Taylor woman. And that's what creeps me out, because that, to me, is, should be the case that you fight for. Was reading it on paper. Mm-hmm. There's something more going on with that case than we're we're allowed to know. Even with Brianna Taylor, if all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted and every product, protocol was followed, it's a bad protocol. It needs to be changed. Well, yeah, because like with the because the George Floyd thing, what what to me what stains it is the the thing that's part of the reason why they didn't release the police video thing is it's kind of like you know th- this Brianna Taylor woman for seemed everything was on the up and up like she didn't she was falsely targeted it was it, it, and was, like, it was a tragedy and again she was targeted i think what was it just a, her, her no not her personally the the guy in there with her so that's who they were no knocking for is the yeah. guy uh-huh okay or i thought looking, it was looking for him or there there was a guy supposed to be with her i, I i'm I honestly didn't bone up on yeah, this topic. See, that's what, but no one's talking about it in a sense of investigating and finding. Well, you have and, uh, what's his name? Um, I think Ahmed uh, Obery, I believe. Well, right. see again, no one's talking about him. I think what's no hap- one can name him now. Well, I think what's happening with those kind of cases is people know, especially like the leaking of the Floyd videos, is people know the truth. Like there's like a, there's like a little circle of people who know what they mm-hmm. saw that no one else saw. And they're doing their best to either a people need to know about this or b we gotta suppress it. We can't let people see it because we like this has to this this changes everything. 
And if someone says I can't breathe before uh, they're on the ground and says I can't breathe after they're on the ground, then that has to be taken into consideration in autopsies, medical examiner's reports, and legal proceedings as but w- would he have one, died. I'm interested to see what, what's being suppressed about that. Like something's going on with that. And it's re- I mean, it's so weird. And it's kind of like the no-knock here in Houston. Is Which you- has had bad... There have been bad instances. Not all of them are bad. Well, I'm the talking good about ones just, don't make I'm the just headlines. I'm talking about information. Because the information you get from that, it just stopped. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, this was a, a raid mm-hmm. gone bad. There you go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, why did it go bad? Was it either a cop made it up? Or the CI, or P, or CI whatever, criminal, uh, what was that person called? Confidential informant. Yeah, confidential informant was lying, get these people on. Because I, I know that's probably happened. But again, the public does not have a right to know everything. Yeah, but I mean, about it, eventually it's going to be like, oh, this is a good story, meaning like this is something because especially when you're trying to reform a police thing, you got to have facts backing it up. You can't just say like, you know, oh, you I don't, can't put police procedures to a popular vote. Yeah, and I think when well, you have the evidence of it, like a video or you know, you a can't case. put police procedures to a popular vote. Hey, how do you think we should arrest you guys? I think we should just uh, just shoot you with a dart in your sleep. I am a fan of that. Yeah. And then you have the officer catch you. Yeah. Have them, like, their guns shoot all those big nets and, like, the, the yeah. signs, like Spider-Man webs. Yeah. Yeah. Give everybody the Spider-Man whip web I mean, thingy. Just shoot a little, poison, little sleep dart. They're gone. Because, I mean, that's what happens when you get shocked, right? Like, if I got tase gunned I've immediately seize up and fall over right it depends if you're if you're jacked up on something it just makes you mad one of it like the standard and person because I know someone said oh you don't want to use the sleep stuff because you might hit your head I'm like I'm pretty sure if you get tased there's a good chance you might hit your head too mm-hmm. so we've already kind of foregone that safety measure well here's the thing with sleep stuff your legs collapse is like fainting bam you're you're just you know there's nothing blocking you when you're tased, you know, the muscles seize. Your column falling. Yeah, you, you're still conscious enough that it's coming. You can move enough and because you're conscious. I don't know. I've been tased. It's not pleasant. Like tased or shot tased? Both. Cool. Yeah, stun gun with the the, the pronged stun gun, 150,000 volts, it. and a taser. And I tell you, it not, it's a great deterrent, at least for me. But if I was six foot eight, three hundred and fifty pounds of pure muscle and jacked up on something, ain't a taser in the world bringing me down. But yeah, that's a good. That was a good topic. I liked it. We didn't get in too much trouble, right? Yeah. Sorry, I'm starting to read some comments. The comments yeah. are flying fast and furious today. But uh, yeah, that leaked footage to me is the next thing, and especially shouldn't be. Well, I'm saying it's the next turning point in the story. It is. What do you mean? It shouldn't be. It is. In, next... gen- no, in general, this whole—if it's not—if it's—if we don't have footage right now, it had to exist. It's like, well, it hasn't been leaked yet. Leaking has become the new norm. Yeah. Well, I know that's what I'm saying. Somebody in the circle who knew that, hey, this video is really telling. Well, yeah. When you have FBI deputy director saying, "Oh, yeah, I leaked this to a journalist because yeah. I didn't like what's going on," made it okay. Forget it. I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's just the way the cookie crumbles. He should not be seeing the light of day for a long time because of that. But no, no, I, I, I think accountability in in our in our especially in our country is there's is there's only certain not things. everything is to be put to a popular vote. 
I'm I'm just saying what I'm saying accountability. Yeah, but what's your what's your definition of accountability? Put all put it all out there for the world to see. Who are, who are you accountable to? Is what I'm asking. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I think there's certain we've we talked about this before in the BS of the political world where you can have funerals and people can't, mm-hmm. and like that you can be like, and that to me is like the craziest. Or thing. you don't have to go in quarantine. Well, not even that. It's like if after you're if you're telling people they can't attend church, but you're having a in person two three hundred person service for a dead guy. Or dead lady, you're like, all right. So what's really going a 10, on? A ten thousand person service for well, you know George I mean. Floyd. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't really get it, and uh-huh. uh, that that's what I'm saying. The accountability isn't there because most people, most people don't know what you could get in trouble for, for that. Because it's kind of one of those things. Like it's a, it's like, oh, well, they're just they're politically. He died for a cause, so. It's kind of like why they're giving the protests the go-ahead to, like, they're fighting for their freedom. But I'm like, well, isn't that the same thing for people who want to open their business and stuff? Like, they're trying to do their livelihood? Like, mm-hmm. I don't really get it. But uh, but it, I think it's also, it's it sucks because no one's really taking a ch- taking this opportunity to become a bigger leader and making a positive change. Not Because I really feel... The Agreed. Cha- I, I really feel reading the Black, Black, uh, about Black Lives Matter and those kind of things... You're gonna get the radicals in that group on different tangents. Yes, we talked about that on Monday, where like that one group in Kentucky, I think it was Kentucky or whatever, had that demand list. Mm-hmm. And like you're gonna have those individuals who are like, "Hey, this is an opportunity," but they chose it to be a negative. They could have done a positive one, mm-hmm. but they chose it to you know negatively impact their community, which in their mind they probably thought it was a positive. But but that's unfortunate for it today because you're you're having these discussions that you know you know need to happen but you're having some louder voices who are negative mm-hmm. and that's the un- unfortunate part about it because dick i absolutely agree with you on that and we've and i've said this many a time there's been no single positive authoritative voice for this nation for a while that's job is not to cause division and those who want to say well obama i'll just take you t- back to the his funeral eulogy the other day that was meant to be divisive and in my opinion Highly inappropriate. Well, no, and I think I think a large a large portion to why everyone's deciding be, to be divisive about this is because the playing field in politics that's what's presented, mm-hmm. and like there's no other way right now. No one really well, it sells the headlines. No one really knows how to navigate through it because it's like it's kind of like you have a choice between going through a garage door or a dog door. Which one are you going to choose to go through? And the garage door represents being divisive. And then uh, things like that. So I think it's easier to go through the garage door than it is through the finding the dog door. Yeah. Well, every new major news network, all of them are beholden to stockholders. And which means you have to out ratings your competition. And there's only one way to do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's enough for the soapbox. I'm going to hop off. We're going to get ready for Terry. Our special guest. Terry Weaver is going to be in the studio. Terry Weaver. So we're going to take our top of the hour break. We will be back. You'll have been listening to Dick and Skippy in the mornings. It's 9.55. It's the 5th of August. We'll be right back. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com 
or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. A Lone Star Community Radio is ready for the summer. If you or anyone you know is looking for summer internship opportunities, Lone Star Community Radio is a great place to grab the mic and be on the air. Lone Star Community Radio offers a great opportunity to those interested in learning about the radio world all year round. Be an on-air personality, talk show producer, or YouTube TV podcast editor. Contact the station at info at IRLoneStar.com or call the station's message line at 936-647-3776. An estimated 1 in 10 births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themilafoundation.org. Because every life matters. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. Are you interested in learning more about preparing quick, healthy, and safe meals for your family? Would you like to spend time with others learning tips and tricks, along with practicing and tasting nutritious food? If so, the On the Road to Healthy Living Mobile Cooking School is for you. Call Amy Ressler at Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service at 936-539-7825 to find a class near you or volunteer to host a class. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Does your company have needs that can be met by an employee who is dependable, hardworking, enthusiastic, motivated, cooperative, respectful, and punctual? Conroe Independent School District Special Education Department can meet your needs by connecting you with potential employees that have been preparing for a lifetime of employment. We have numerous individuals seeking paid and unpaid work experiences. If your company is interested in seeing how we can meet your business needs, call Conroe ISD Special Education Department to find the best employees for you at 936-709-7671. For those of you who like your partners, your gumbo, and your music salty, well, we're here to help with the music. 
Julian Shea here, host of Lone Star Country Nights Thursday, your weekly dose of roots and Americana and all the music that makes this part of the country special. We stir in western swing, honky-tonk, zydeco, Texas blues, outlaw country, and put a pinch of red dirt, and then we smoke it over a slow fire. Then listen to the results Thursday nights on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Have a legal question? Are you a resident of Montgomery County? Call 281-645-6344 to talk to a volunteer attorney from the Woodlands Bar Association. We answer the phones on the first Monday of every month at 281-645-6344 from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. to provide general legal information and information about legal resources to Montgomery County residents. This is Rick, TRC. Every Tuesday on my show, Afternoons with Lone Star, from 3 to 7, I play back-to-back classic rock hits. That's right. I like to call it a two for Tuesday, or a three for whatever it is you'd like. Call the request line, 936-647-3776, or message me on Facebook, Afternoons with Lone Star, make a music request. That's right, you can do it. Here's what else. Go over to our website, IRLoneStar.com. Get the app on your phone. It's easy. You'll like it. And we're back. It's 10.01 here on Lone Star Community Radio. Worldwide, IRLoneStar.com. Dick and Skippy. Check us out on Facebook Live, or you can just go to IRLoneStar.com slash live to do everything that's live right now with us. And we are back. It is 10.01, and we're going to go all the way till 11 today, so stay tuned. we got Terry Weaver with us. He is a local actor, author, and I think later in the show we're going to give away uh, his books. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that towards the end of the show, how to win them. Now, are we going to like give them away, give them away, or can I ask him to pre-sign them to my dear friend? Skippy. No, last time you wanted to read the book before we gave it away. That's what you told the Arthur last time. And I was a little weird because it's like, well, how long is that going to take, Sean? I, I read so, fast. So uh, I read Lord of the Rings every year. Yeah? Yeah. That's a little weird. Hey, Christopher Lee does the same. Or is he, Christopher Lee's still he alive, right? He can still right? read? Oh, back off the Lee. You know he was a spy in World War II? I don't doubt it. The guy seems one of those people who yeah, knows Yeah, he was like up. one of those guys. He looks like one of those guys. Yeah, no, Terry a, Weaver looks like one of those guys, too. He does. He's very tall. Yeah. That's his defining characteristic for me. He's I think probably, he, he, he may write, too, but, I mean, he's tall. Well, I do want to let uh, listeners know, if you want more information about Terry when we're, as we're talking, I put as much information I could in the description on our Facebook, if you're listening to the podcast, and also YouTube, and in the website, too. So uh, anything we're talking about, there should be a link available, like where to buy his books, where to check out the TV show he's on, all that kind of good stuff. So uh, make sure to check out the description for that information. Cool. So let's get to know Terry. How are you doing? Start with birth and work your way from there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm a Texan. Uh, I moved here a while back. It's been almost a decade, so I just can't claim Texan. Uh, I got you. Went to Texas A&M. And uh, just, I just love this place, man. It's just the, it's just an outstanding state, and I love the people, and that's what makes a place is the people. Agreed. So I've made some incredible friends and, and relationships here that have led me to much happiness in my life. Cool. Where did you come in from? 
Well, I don't know. I mean, I can't really say. No, not really. I was <laughs> told you uh, a spy. I, awesome. Told you a spy. I was born in San Bernardino, California. Okay. And uh, San Bernardino is, um, I like to describe it as the armpit of California. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's not all that bad. There's good people everywhere. And uh, just Texas is a better fit for me. Oh, I lived in San Diego, the deodorant to that armpit. Yeah. That's a good, that's not, not a bad place. Thank if you. you can afford it. Yeah, yeah uh, Navy brat. So when Same I was here. really young, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, did some time in the in the military. That, thanks for your service. Thanks. Uh, I was stationed with the Marines, um, but I was a Navy corpsman, so I ran around with those guys, patching those guys up. Right. And, so I know San Diego that area well. Uh, came out to school for um, for business at Texas A and M, and just fell in love with the place. How cool is that? Did you were you posted overseas at all? Yeah, I did a tour. Uh, a uh, combat tour to uh, Iraq. Mm -hmm. So 2002, we staged in Kuwait. 2003, we went into Iraq. And so I was over there in that, in that time frame. Okay. That's when my son was in Iraq in, in the three, five. So okay. you, you may have patched up my son. This yeah. could be a small world. Yeah. I was uh, with a, uh, with a maintenance battalion. Okay. That's so, not my son. <laughs> no, uh -uh. <laughs> but thank man. Thanks for your service. Truly. That, that's you. awesome. Anyone that goes in a place that I'm running away from deserves, you know, extra cookies. So what talk to us about the, the writing now. So what are the books and what prompted them? Uh, the first book is called the evolution of a leader. Mm -hmm. And, um, this is, I, I ran a leadership Institute, helped start it. It's cool. Called, it was called Vell Institute and, um, studied a lot of leaders, military leaders, historical leaders, and have my own kind of leadership journey. So I packed that into a book, kind of what I learned over 20 years and it's it's had a great um, life so far. Uh, got, I mean, it's been around the world. So that's my first book. The second book is a fiction book, and it follows the life of a young man named Eli Ridge, who also spent time as a Navy corpsman. Uh, came back to this area, struggled for about three years, four years, trying to find his way. And um, eventually, after he got through some of his own struggles, he uh, decided to become a police officer. He's, he'd always wanted to be a police officer. And, and uh, there was some tragedy early on in his life, and that propelled him to want to live um, kind of a larger-than-himself larger life in service. So uh, as soon as he decided to chase that dream, pursue that dream, that's kind of when all hell breaks loose. And there's some evil villains in the book that mm -hmm. try to prevent him from becoming a police officer, and that's where the drama unfolds. Now, one thing that's very interesting about the second book, <coughs> excuse me, swallowed wrong, Eli is not just a stereotypical Texan. He's actually, you actually base him in this physical area. Yeah, that's correct. And that that's great because I think it gives a sense of realism. Did you uh, read the book? I do what I can. He's a reader. He's a writer, too. So cool. He's, he, he, he gravitates to that kind of stuff. Ah, yeah, I love So is this like a prequel you. to Nexican, the movie with Patrick Swayze? Yes, it, it is. It, sounds it, like it. it absolutely is. Just just go with it. Sure. sure. Uh, and, but that adds a sense of realism. Uh, there was another author we had on, Catherine Lane, who wrote Waking Up in Medellin. Uh, that was not based here. No, but she knew Medellin like the back of her hand, and, and basically she will travel to the places, like Dan Brown, mm -hmm. a good Dan Brown book. You know, he'll go hit Rome for six months and sketch out everything. So that adds an extra layer of realism. It's like to the Crichton guy, right? He knows dinosaurs. Yes. He wrote that book, right? Yeah. Okay. I believe you. <laughs> I think he wrote that book. I don't know. Idea. I forgot. 
That's what we, in the writing world, that's what we call a non sequitur. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. like, what the heck was that? And the Crichton guy wrote dinosaurs. No, well, who, Michael Crichton wrote Jurassic oh, Park, oh, right? Oh, the, the Crichton guy like next door. Yeah, he also invented, you know, the TV show ER. That was him too. Okay, we're we're just we're and sharing Twister. we're sharing general and general Twister. information. Yeah, he, he, I like it. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, back to our guest. So, um, what prompted? Oh, I want to talk about the first book first. So it's called Hold on, Evolution of a Leader, right? That's right. Yeah. Now you talk you talk about you know. Is it a biography of, of these other leaders or kind of aspects of their personalities? or? So what I tried to do is take principles mm-hmm. um, from different leaders throughout time and pack them into topical um, chapters. So there's a chapter on discipline, on uh, mentorship, on uh, work ethics, stuff like that. So we have these 36 different chapters on kind of leadership qualities that have come from leaders throughout the uh through our history throughout our history and some personal stories mm-hmm. um some of my own personal stories from the military and business and stuff like that so it's a uh it's a great kind of leadership manual you can put by the bedside and and go back to because they're topics that'll last forever cool this may not be a fair question but i gotta ask in your research for effective leadership would it be better to be loved or feared in the, in the sense that, you know, to be the popular guy that I'm inspiring you and everyone follow me yeah. or the ones that go, we must do this or else. Yeah, I, I think that's an easy one. I think the greatest leader of all time was Jesus. He was a sacrificial leader. Uh, he loved others greater than he loved himself and mm-hmm. anything else. Um, so I would certainly say love. But there's other leaders, even if you think of military profiles, um, you know, our recent uh, Secretary of Defense, um, he, he was he, he was telling a story, uh, and, and he talked about the greatest characteristic of a leader, and he said that's compassion. That's compassion, really caring for your people. So I'd, I'd say easily it's love. Wow, yeah. interesting. That's, and from someone who's actually researched the snot out of this, you know, i got to put a lot of weight behind that. Well, and we, were, we always kind of talk about uh, recently about what we're lacking today in in today's culture and it's like it's and especially in, in american society is like a, a true leader what we need and, and i always thought and you can tell me what you think of this is it, when you go through your steps of becoming a leader and reading like your book and doing those kind of things is it really become what you can control that's what's really important to a leader because i know like when you start small you're starting to learn how you can control your 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 proximity mm-hmm but I really feel like if you start small, like say you're running for city council and then you go like the steps it takes. But I feel like at one point there's no way to reasonably think you can be a leader of the United States because it's so big, so many different things going on. And do you, and I reason, another thing I bring up is we have so many presidents, but we only have so many, we have few great ones. Mm. And that might be because of the certain, the circumstances that were going on during that time really, Push that now, Dick, are you talking about limit. like kind of universally considered to be one of the great ones? Like you'd have to be hard pressed to say Washington, like or Eisenhower. Lincoln. He's considered a great one, isn't he? Yeah. And and I'm like, and I think a part of that had to do with the military and also what was going on during that timeline. But but it, kind of an across the aisle greatness, not like well, he was a great Republican or a great Democrat. Yeah, president, but he's a kind of great. That's what's really good. strange to me about today is you're getting to that point where you, you try to find people who are role models. And, you know, who you think are going to do great no matter what mm-hmm. because of their philosophies. It's so hard to find, I would say, 
a, a leader in the upper parts of our country that you can find universe like universally accept like this is a good person. Yeah. And just because of how divisive politics are, but as a when you're reading your book and you want to become a leader, what would you say like you know for people who want to move up the chain? How yeah. do you get that start? How do you start to be? What's the first step in becoming a, a well, great leader? I think I think you had a good point. Um, you got to start with yourself. If you can't master yourself, I think Socrates said self mastery is the start to any really anything. So um, that's really all we can control are our thoughts, and from there come our actions. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can't control anybody else. I can't control your view of me. I may try very hard, but. Um, you know, just to go back to my first point, uh, Mattis was one of the great leaders that I referenced in my book, General Mattis, and he said that affection, affection is one of the greatest leadership qualities. So I can, I believe I can stand by my values in, in any leadership role. I can stand by my values, mm-hmm. but I can also show love. I can show care and appreciation for somebody else's values. We don't see that a lot in politics because there's such a wide divide. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can see more of it. I don't think it's the end of the road. So. Well, that's also the way we bring our perspective to folks. I think there's key words and the dialogue you hold is you can say say something to somebody and you use the wrong words. They take it as like kind of like defund the police is a, a word. And I think you could say that same statement without saying defund the police. Right. But we're not choosing the right words when we're having our dialogues with our you know local government and things like that. Yeah. So I think uh, when it you don't like that? No, I was uh, reading comment. comments. <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah. Sorry, I gotta read the comments as they pop up. As I can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and at the same time, you know, we have to remember that our values are more important than our popularity. So yeah. we've got to stick by our values. If it if it throws us into a fight, then we got to fight and you know try to uh, try to maintain the damage, the least collateral damage as possible. But you know, leaders are gonna have to fight too. They got to fight battles all the time. Well, yeah, and like, and that's one thing, especially today in today's sense with technology, it's so hard to comprehend what really is happening. What's the truth? Mm, that's true. And yeah. and I think that's a real dangerous way to go forward with certain uh, certain examples to learn from, like generationally wise. And I know I said that quote. Um, I forgot who said it was. It had to have been Eisenhower or something like that. I don't know. It might have been uh, Ronald Reagan. He's like. Uh, Losing your freedom is a generation away. I think that's something like kind of around that. And it made me think, I was like, you know, that's so true. Because what we know where our freedom is today, it could mean something completely different to the, to like today's younger kids are like, we're losing TikTok. We're losing our freedom. And like, and devastating. Ch- it's devastating. And we're going to revolt. And it is devastating to some of them. And we can't discount that because it's a high value, may, a high priority. That's a very the, good point. We, um, you know, one of my more favorite quotes, because truth's been the, like this thing lately, they've been thrown around, and believe it or not, in a, in a musical, there's a line where someone tells someone else, we both have truths, or mine the same as yours. Because people throw around, well, that's not the truth. Well, how much of truth is perspective, how much is not? <clears throat> the truth to a child is that my life is over now, because TikTok, as an adult, we can go, you'll get over it, but that makes it no less real to that child. Right. I don't have a lot of sympathy for them losing their TikTok. Trust me, but I I empathize. I get it. Mm-hmm. The 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 horror of of oh you're ruining my life. Every teen has screamed out you're ruining, ruining my, my life. life. Yeah, I did it. My my son did it. His son's gonna do it. And I'm gonna laugh when that day happens. I'm gonna say yeah, I told you, you little son of a gun. Um, 
my father did it. But yeah, absolutely, it's, it's the perspective. I didn't mean to cut you off, no. but you were talking about with the TikTok. Uh, go ahead. No, you know, and, and I think our truth as we go on in life should become less and less relative and more and more absolute. You know, mm-hmm. we look at truths, lasting truths, where they come from. They're, as we age and hopefully get wiser like we should, uh, they become less and less relative and more absolute. Yeah, I, I think when you have a generic, this generic sounds wrong. When you have a general truth, like say, peace is good. I think that could be a gen- just a, an all-encompassing, ubiquitous truth. I personally believe peace is best achieved through superior firepower. That's my personal take on on a global scale. That's not the so that's not a truth. That's that's my that's my ism. Mm. You know, to someone else who would say, "Well, no, peace is the absence of firepower," and so that's where I think the breakdown is. It's that one step below the universal truth, and. Uh, where I think we need voices like the leaders you're talking about. So it's evolution of a leader. Do me a favor. Talk to me about the process of it. I know that many people ask me, well, I want to write a book. What do I do? And I get very glib. I say, well, you start writing. Mm. I'd love for someone else to answer that question. So if a young, you know, wide-eyed young person who wants to become an author one day came to you, you're at a book signing, say, you know, what's your process? How do you get going? Give, talk wait, wait. Give us the young man, young lady voice. Well, how would you ask it? Mr. Terry, I, I, I don't want. Yeah, I'm just drawing on my personal experience for this one. I, I, I want to be a writer for for a while, and wow, you got you got a book with everything. So, how, how do you make that happen? Yeah, I would say, and Is I've recommended. Good? Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> I can tell you have acting experience. <laughs> um, acting. I, We're going to talk about that next, by the way. Yeah, I've recommended this resource. Um, more times than probably any other writing resource. And it's, it's a little book. I think it's maybe 150 pages. It's called the war of art, not the art of war, the <laughs> war of art by Stephen Pressfield. Pressfield's a former Marine and he just has a no BS booklet on really the war of art because it's a very personal, very isolated battle that you have to get into to produce any type of creative thing. That's good. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would recommend. Um, You don't go to that book looking for a spiritual mentor or any kind of solid theology. You go to that book to produce a piece of art and to understand the war to produce that piece of art. And I do think it's he he makes a good case that creating is is an internal battle. It's a war. So that's what I would recommend. Awesome. Good resource, by the way. My go to resource has always been the writer's market. Um, But I think you have to have some kind of a. You can't be starting at square one with that. You have to have some kind of, uh, of basis. Now, so you started off with a nonfiction book, and then you segued directly into a novel. Mm-hmm. What what prompted that? Well, that's a, that's an interesting story. So I'm glad you asked that. So I was uh, cast for an acting role in a TV series called Breaking Strongholds. You can check it out, breakingstrongholds.com, or you can go on Facebook and just search Breaking Strongholds TV or Breaking Strongholds, one or the other. Okay. And after going through some additions to, be, to play a lead role as a detective, I was cast, I got this role, and then I had the work to go, I had to go figure out how to become a detective. And that was my job to be a good actor. You got to do that, that hard work. So mm-hmm. I started talking to buddies of mine. I have uh, military buddies who have gone into the police force. I went over to talk to one of my friends. He's a detective. He's actually a supervisor for detectives. And I said, I need to come spend some time with you. 
And um, he said, okay, come on. I went in, spent a day with those guys, watched a couple confessions and interrogations and stuff like that and got an okay feel. But at the end of that day, uh, at the end of the day, he said, you know what you really need to do? You need to just go watch this TV show called Bosch. And uh, so, <laughs> oh, with, um, told you about I forget it. the, yeah, you told did. You about it. It's Titus, on my list. Titus Welliver. Thank you. It's definitely written by a guy who had to been a police officer or something. So it's written by Michael Connolly. And he is one of the best-selling novelists. The, the name sounds familiar. Yeah. I don't think I've read him, though. The TV series is incredible. The acting's incredible. I just kind of fell in love with this detective, uh, Harry Bosch. Mm-hmm. Loved him. Loved his kind of outlook and his dogged perseverance for, uh, for justice. And so then I needed to kind of write my character backstory. And so I, I took what I knew from the shadowing of detectives, from watching the show, from kind of the script that I had to play out, and I started to write the backstory of my character starting in the military. And I fell in love with that process. And one day I said, man, I got to write it. I just got to turn this into a novel. So I started writing the novel, and I committed to it. And it took me you know, three, four months to get the manuscript ready, and then the tough work comes in of editing and making it good. Oh yeah, you know? though, yeah, you're absolutely that right. Pretty on that. fast, though. It, it is fast because because uh, you know I write pretty disciplined, a couple hours every single day. Wonderful, yeah. And every writer, had, you know, they have their own discipline and and protocol or not protocols, their their process. Mm-hmm. And because frequently when I'm asked, well, how do I break writer's block? I'll tell you how I break it. It's probably not going to work for you, but. Each one learns their own. That's awesome. How long was the process from like chapter one to getting it to you know the galley phase, ready to, yeah. to go out? Would I started. Uh, I was looking back at the dates. I'm sorry. I was going to ask you: Does it open with the dark and stormy night kind of thing? Hey, the no. best book in existence starts off with that line. That's what I was wondering. Does it start with that? So it starts in Iraq. Um, the the opening chapter is in Iraq, which turns out to be one of the plots through the book, but it's a smaller plot. Mm-hmm. Most of the plot unfolds right here locally after Eli gets out of the military. Um, but back to what we, what she first asked, I started the book I think on August twenty sixth of last year and published it uh, on June of this year, something like that. Awesome, yeah. And it's a all both books are available to purchase. That's right. Today. Yeah. I put That's the right. link in for po- yep. folks who want to check so it out. So I'm presuming available on Amazon. Amazon. And, and yeah, Amazon, my website. Here's mm-hmm. a kind of a picture of a dark day in Texas. Dark, a dark day in Texas. Now, I see it's yeah. an Eli Ridge novel, which right. to me implies there may be another Eli Ridge novel. That's, that's on, correct. On the horizon. I've already started working on uh, kind of the plot, brainstorming, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's coming. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to be, I, I'm all about reading especially local writers and, and people that i know so that is awesome i'm personally looking forward to that dick when are you going to write something anything i don't i don't read or write well you didn't engage in politics before me either so i, I, I see where don't. i need to go next no nah, you're, you're more engaged you're well, I mean, definitely I, I definitely pay i the only thing i really read are you internet, now know the difference between a senator no, no, and a congressman. I, I read a lot of internet comments that's kind of where <laughs> i get my fill of like that, that i would say that's my vice is just reading <laughs> welcome, internet comments w- welcome to popular because i love that stuff Facebook um, memes. I, I read the right. text on Facebook memes. Yeah, it's you just, I, I, just, I, I love going for the down pictures. conspiracy holes with people. And then you know, there's some great resources out there that are so wild. Okay, so now Terry, not only is he a nonfiction author and a novelist, but he's also an actor. So talk to us more about this this show because you're absolutely right. I'm. You may have guessed I'm appreciatively older than both of you. He claims so, he's an actor. Yeah. He claims. Uh, yeah. Because that's 
my excuse for getting away with my behavior. It's acting. Back in the 70s, we had like, you know, <laughs> the Quinn Martin productions, Barnaby Jones, Rockford Files, you know. And the cops would do stuff that in real life would just be, they'd shoot in the air. Yeah. They, they'd walk around with their, you know, no fingers on the trigger, mm. you know. And you think they had actually had cops supposedly giving them, hey, you know, don't put the female cop in high heels. Yeah. You know, they didn't say that. So it's very, you saying researching the, the role, how incumbent is that on the actor versus maybe the, the, the creator of the show to, it, it, well, first off, is the creator of the show, is he or she a, a daily uh, presence there? So the show is not about um, the police force. The show is about a family in turmoil. I misheard. I apologize yeah, so on now that one. It is breaking strongholds. And yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that one. And no, that's okay. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot that takes place in the detective's office, in the field. It is a story about a police officer, but the main story is about a family that's really just in shambles. And oh, there's a lot okay. of darkness uh -huh. uh, going on. We have some, um, I have some kids in the show uh, who are uh, junior, a junior and a senior in high school, and they're really struggling with some tough stuff from their childhood. And that's unfolding as this, as I'm working on a case, uh, trying to solve a missing persons case. So um, I, I do think that um, it is on the actor to, to portray the character okay. totally. I mean, but I'm a very responsible, internal responsible, you know, individual. However, I think that, that our writer, um, she's done a great job in, in researching, and our producer has done a great job in researching, and our director has too. Awesome. So. Now, is this a, uh, uh, obviously a drama format? Is it like an hour or 44-minute long drama with a weekly release? Can you binge it? What's, what's the setup on this? It'll be bingeable at some point. Okay. We're finished with the pilot episode, and in fact, we're going to premiere it here locally soon. Um, you got to come back on the air when the day comes. because when wanna... COVID's over. Well, it's going to be online. I'm going to watch it, dude. No, I'm in the premiere. Right? I'll mask up. I'll, I'll mask up and hop in my limo. I have a limo. I know an underground theater that like, disregards every rule of law. Perfect. So we can go there if you want to go there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're going to do an open-air preview. We'll probably have to do a couple mm -hmm. um, premieres. We'll probably have to do a couple in a row. So we're working on that. Do on the lake. You just do on the lake. Have a float premiere. Right, that get the big inflatable screen. Yeah, I mean that would work, right? It would. <laughs> I mean, I think you do whatever you can do to confuse the police. So it's like, is this allowed? I don't know. Is it written down? You can't. Well, I don't think the police flirt? are confused on that. They're gonna watch. Yeah, the good yeah. thing we have we, we have uh, <laughs> we have good law enforcement, and in fact, we have you know some people from the law. Uh, enforcement agencies working with us. So, so this is local. This is a local production, yeah, local you, talent. Yeah, local. where'd you shoot? T give us some examples. Like what yeah. locations? Uh, so, I'll just tell you the Re Reflective um, Media Productions is the production company. Mm -hmm. Reflective Media Productions, and uh, we use Spirit of Texas right over here. As you mean a, over there? Right over yeah, wherever right, it is. Yeah. You mean the like the big, big white building? The big one, yeah. Yeah, the White House. So that's our police station. Nice. Oh shot my in there gosh. a couple of times. <laughs> now we got we to gotta play it down. We got to play it down because that place is awesome. But uh, uh, that's our police station. My home is out in Montgomery. It's mainly Montgomery, but we do use some stuff from, uh, from the Woodlands. We have a couple shoots coming up. We're going to be in uh, TWFG um, Insurance, the, the main the Woodlands office. Financial Group. Using, oh, okay. I was like, what um, is that? 
Bruce Tufts. No, no, not Bruce Tufts. Um, Steve Tufts. Gordy Bunch. Gordy, Gordy Bunch. Bunch. Gordy yeah. Bunch. One of those Woodlands people. Yeah. 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 Uh, we use God's Garage because there's a couple ministries in the show. God's Garage is one of them. Um, so it, the, Do they move? They, their new they have a, a bigger location. Yeah, okay. Right. So which, which one did you use? The one on like the 2054 one. or the new one on one? Is it 105? I the think big it is. one, yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't know that. Yep. So there, because that's one thing I always love about watching movies is like location scouting and then figuring out what works really for the sh- like for the scene and for the actor. Yeah. And it's cool that you're using. So you said you used your house, like your house. No, no, we use somebody else's house to be my house. Okay. Show. Yeah, it's much nicer than my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, the cool thing. So are you is, jealous of your character? It sounds like I'm feeling like you're jealous of there this may character. Maybe a little envy. <laughs> yeah, I've never played anyone who was. Poorer than I was. I'm really jealous. <laughs> this guy's a hard worker. Um, uh, and you're Ethan. not. What's the character's so. name? Just so I know. Ethan James, Detective mm-hmm. James. Ethan James. Different character than my than my novel. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Uh, but the backstory is what I was after beginning the novel. So anyway, um, the people from Montgomery County will know this area because so in, cool. in our intro we show a lot of kind of landmarks uh, from Montgomery County. Um, we have a lot of support locally. It's really neat. I'll vouch for that. Well, there's yeah. a, and that's and that's kind of when I heard about this production going on, I was like, you know, this really is a great location because you can get the sense of big city just down the woodlands, and then you can get the sense of small towns in Montgomery, uh, especially like in Willis. Like Willis is kind of a smaller, smaller town, and then you get Conroe downtown. And then you can get the lake, which oh, is kind of like you can get Old Town places. Spring. You can get the State Forest. I mean, seriously, yeah, within a, a, lot within of cool a twenty locations. mile radius here, you can hit with except for Arctic conditions, and that's yeah, why God had been in the green few, screen. I have a few friends in Navasota area, and I was like, you could film a western here. You could totally like you have open like you don't see anything. Yeah, we and, haven't needed to to go very far to to make this work. So. Well, I mean, that's what I'm kind of I'm looking forward to watching it, and then uh, it's just is this going to be kind of like a Netflix style of show where you do 10 episodes and then it's like, that's the season or five episodes, three episodes, or, or is it going to be like, Hey, we're going to try to shop it around, try to get it on a network. And or I like, could, I could bog you down with a bunch of details, but that would be boring. And yeah. I'd be talking about a lot that I don't know, because I'm just a lowly actor. You know? So <laughs> well, uh, I put the link on the website or I put the website of the TV show. So if you want to f- see what they're doing and that way, Terry doesn't have to bore us with it. Uh, or yeah, or whatever you want to call it. Keep, keep talking, Dick. I'm just gonna let it it's happen. over there. Because <laughs> that's gonna what... have a so we're gonna have a local premiere. Yeah, and best way to do that is to follow the Breaking Strongholds Facebook page. Yes. Um, we're also going to a film festival uh, in September. I think uh, September 15th. It's called Content 2020. You can go to content2020.org. It's gonna be premiered there. First time in a film festival. Um, and then eventually we'll get into a streaming service. It's likely unless somebody from a major network picks it up. But these days, you know, these streaming services like Netflix and Amazon Prime, they're just as good. Arguably, you can make a case they're just as good. They grew up. And I think the Bird Box is what did it. That's when people said, wait, this is a Netflix original and it's got Sandra Bullock and Sarah yeah. Pollock. And and, and that's where everything's going. We're going. Well, I, thought to that, I thought it was services. a kissing booth. I thought that's what made it different. Another tangent. Be careful. Yeah, right. Here. I'm not going down that. Get with it, guys. So, Come on. <clears throat> Terry, if I can. So th- uh, this production, to me, it sounds, um, and I'm being kind of very open here, uh, almost like a, a, a faith-inspired production. I don't want to say faith-based, but, you know, you know, along the vine, uh, vine, uh, lines of, like, Fireproof or something like that. 
how it's that becoming more of a mainstream situation? You know, the these I do family faith based. I, I, I speak in business terms because it's kind of what I'm educated in, but I think right. the market is demanding cleaner and more healthy content. Oh, you yeah. know, I can't sit my 10 year old in front of a TV and, and just give her the remote. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know? So there is a need for that kind of content. Now this show doesn't beat people over the head with the Bible. And in fact, it brings a lot of, you know, current events and trends and, um, stuff that we wrestle with today into the show. You know, it's about a detective whose, whose family is falling apart. You know, this is real, real to life stuff. Uh, the detective is actually a veteran also. So, um, yeah, I think there's a need for it. I think there's a need for this content and there, and, and the need is going to increase. Well, I also see a trend in, I would say when I say Hollywood, I mean, just all entertainment is it's okay to have a character be religious and it's, it's, definitely okay for that religion to be Christianity. I think back like 30 years ago, it was kind of like you either write a Christian guy to be a bad person, like fire and brimstone kind of person. Like, I mean, they kind of did that in a lot of TV shows where you have this radical religious person trying to invoke their justice on people. But then I think today it's, it's okay to have a well-rounded character to be religious. Well, if I can, I think one of the best police Based shows, but again, it's police family is a CBS show called Blue Bloods, which yeah. has been on for many years. My, and you know, my dad and I just loved watching it. It was one of the few shows that he would actually be able to focus on, um, because <clears throat> it postulated family above all. They happen to be Catholic, and every episode has the whole family sitting down for Sunday post mass dinner. But that wasn't the overreaching theme. But it just showed the strength of family, and I feel I'm. Scared about how it, if it comes back, how it is because Tom Selleck plays the New York police commissioner, and with what's been going on in the real world, I don't think Tom Selleck will allow it to become a show where it caves to a popular mob mentality. Like we got to change our, you know, as the police commissioner is like, listen, bad cops are bad. I kick them out, but I got thirty five thousand good cops that I'm not kicking out, and for that show to survive on that, I, I hope it does. Because it's very rare in that well, situation their where it's a family show. They're not, they're not looking for a new audience. They're not going to drive. It's, pow- it's the power of the boycott or the, the, the power of the voice against the advertisers. All right. I'm not, I wouldn't be worried about it. I'm not, yeah, I guess scared is a strong word on it. But it's great to see that there's another um, you know, family-based, you know, something that puts family first where I guess you know the action is second or, or something. And... Now, are these standalone episodes, uh, or, or is there like an overreaching season arc for the show? It, there'll be an overreaching season arc. Got they, it. they tie together. But you can get interested in one episode and, and just watch that. But, uh, yeah, you, you, will, you will do better if you watch the entire season. It's going to be really good. There's going to be a lot of connectors, a lot of stories going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, gonna, it's fascinating. I've seen the first episode, and I'm super proud of of how we've done. Are so there far. any shout outs to other actors in it or uh, uh, crews? Yeah. Ulysses Laramendi. He plays. So the, the first movie that went on Amazon from Re- reflective media productions is called we are stronger. Okay. And it, the lead actor was Ulysses Laramendi. He uh, owns Eden cafe on 1488. I know it. Well, he's done a great job. Yes. Yeah. I've met him. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. So he's just an all around good guy. And he plays a chaplain who's, who's trying to help, uh, 
Detective James through some really tough stuff. Okay. Oh, um, cool. I'm looking. I want to. I'm looking at it right now. It's it's on. Is it on Prime? You can watch it on. Yeah, Prime? we are strongers on or Prime. Rent. That that was. Uh, you can rent it, or um, maybe it streams. I'm not sure for free, but uh, that was their full, first full length movie on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he comes back as a chaplain later on in life, and and he's kind of ch- his life has changed. He's got a new mission, and uh, him and I, uh, we we uh, we work together in the show. Great actor, fantastic actor, and then the co lead in We Are Stronger is actually my performance coach. Her name's Angela. She played in We Are Stronger, mm-hmm. and she she's a performance coach now. She's coaching some of the actors through this uh, through this show. She does a, she does a great job. Awesome! Well, it's great to promote local talent and local business and local art. So this is like a perfect storm of something to tune into. Give us the name of the show and the website again to make sure everyone has it top of their head. Breaking Strongholds mm-hmm. and uh, BreakingStrongholds.com, Facebook. I think it's Breaking Strongholds TV or just Breaking Strongholds. I think I posted that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Should I can't wait to see the pilot episode here, and I will watch it with a critical eye, and let's sit down, you and I, over coffee or a beer, whatever your poison is, and talk about uh, the, the process, because I think it's really fascinating. Sounds fun. Awesome. I don't want to do that. You do or don't? I don't. I don't want to do I don't want to You want to sit down and just, just immerse yourself no, in the art No, what I want to do is I'll, do, I'll, I'll watch the show, and I'll add my own commentary. Like MST3K? Yeah, and that's how I'll promote it. Or Riff we'll Tracks. We'll, we'll broadcast it live. The Riff Tracks thing, where you just watch it. And yeah. Okay. I know that guy. <laughs> well, you could do like what they did with Houston Nights, that, that 80s TV show that they filmed in Houston locally about two cops. And local people would be complaining on like the Houston uh, Post back when that n- newspaper was like, well, they're going from, you know, Katy to downtown via NASA. That just doesn't work because that's two different freeways. There's always going to be those people. Yeah, or, or that. I know that's, guy, that's not an apartment complex. That's in her first bank. And so finally, the producer's like, fine, we're out of here. And they moved it to Los Angeles, and it got canceled like two episodes later. So people, there's something called dramatic license to where, you know, our detective here can go from Spring to Willis via Montgomery, and it's okay. No one will know. Do you, just, do you cry at all in it? <laughs> um there's some emotional scenes. So that's what, I mean, it sounds yeah. like it. Because that, to me, is when people cry on film, like... I always imagine the whole process of, of an actor or an actress trying to get there. Yeah. And then especially when the camera crew is like, we need to get other angles. Can you continue crying? Or yeah. like those kind of things. Yeah. And I, it's, I was, when you said it was an emotional family deal, I know there's going to be some really intense scenes. And I'm, I'm thinking about my family. It's been intense. And so I was like, it's going to be good. If it's, it's like, it's going to be good. That's yeah. as authentic as possible. And I think modern filming styles and directing styles, they take that into consideration to where, you know, an actor will get in the role and they'll say, okay, we're going to have three cameras on you at the same time. We're going to get as close as possible. Yeah, basically. So, you know, it's not like, okay, stop crying. We're going to take two. Okay, start crying again. You know, they'll, they'll take that process uh, into consideration. Is this on uh, IMDb yet at all? It is. I just found yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So, Dennis, to answer your question, you want to find references, go Here, to imdb.com like the rest of the I'll, universe. I'll send it. I'll link it. There's, there you not go. A, there's not a whole lot of info, but soon. It starts. Yeah. yeah it starts um, somewhere. It, we'll start with the local premiere, the film festival, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll begin ramping it up when we're, when we're, when we're there. So. Okay. I'm going to have to arm wrestle Brett later on. He's telling me that Houston Nights got canceled because it was a crappy show with weak plots. Brett, we're going to have to meet behind the bleachers well, and if you tie guys, our hands together if you guys and whip out the switchblades. are looking for a, like a monster of the week villain, I can be a henchman. 
I can be doing drugs. I'm okay with that on okay. camera. Dick, you're, you're not a henchman. Uh, You'd have to be the guy who wears like the the white suit who flips the coin between his fingers. No, I'm not. That's I'm, your character. I'm not that menacing. I'm not big. No, that's not, well. That's like, what I'm saying a henchman would be menacing. You're not menacing. You, you'd be the, the the brains behind the outfit. You'd no, be the guy with the fedora. Need, if you need a homeless. Uh, a homeless serial killer. I could pull that off. Well, yeah, you got that. I too. could pull that you off. You mean a retired radio guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I went on the deep a, end. A bitter former radio host. Uh, I went on the deep end, and now I'm, I'm going in the alleyways, murdering people. <laughs> I'm okay with that. But uh, I'm telling you, the white suit flipping the coin. Well, I know there's fingers. certain actors and actresses that love doing those things. Oh like, yeah, I love playing the bad guy. Because there's certain there's certain actors are so good at dying on camera or like you know. Being always at that apex moment where it's like we need a we need an actor to literally lose his arm and die in someone's arms and like cry or laugh or whatever we need it, and uh, I think those people get that's on their calling card. Like I, they probably tell their agent, "Hey, these are the roles I want to do because I'm really good at it." Yeah, yeah, and I'm you know I've hear I hear that actors get pigeonholed. So once they've played a really good role, they're going to get selected for other ones, and it kind of just. It's organic. You know? well, and, I, and I think it's, I, I, I'm not an actor. I've never been professionally acting like y'all two. But I imagine from the outside perspective, people are like, oh, don't get pigeonholed. But I imagine also there's a side on your, and your mentality is it's okay because I'm working. It and depends. I get to keep doing something that I like to do. There's a wonderful movie. I think it was a, like a streaming movie. And I think they actually had sequels called The Guy Who Was In That Thing. And it's a documentary about character actors, the, the B-listers yeah. who. You know the guy. Oh my God! I saw he was the 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 henchman in this, and he was the bad guy in that, and he was, you know, the guy that the umbrella fell on his head in this one. Oh yeah, you don't remember their names, but so, yeah, being pigeonholed isn't necessarily bad. It's it's funny because Jimmy Stewart. There's a great story about him. In his entire career, he played a bad guy once. It was in a Thin Man movie. Spoilers, where he's the murderer, and his agent pretty much told him, "Okay, that was it. You got it out of your system. From now on, all you play are good guys." And, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, Jimmy Stewart. Um, but he he wanted to do that one bad, you know, where he was the killer. And it was shocking. But, you know, like Tom Hanks is pigeonholed. He, is he? he can't play a killer. Yeah, he can. No, he Road can't. Road to perdition. Yeah, how well did that do? It did well. Mm. Yeah, and I, it won, I think it won an Oscar for music. And then, yeah, you're out of here. You're out of here. No, not that. no. I'm talking about him. I'm I mean, not talking about movies. He bad. wasn't just a killer. I mean, he was a killer. Like he was just killing yeah, people you get, everywhere. You, you gotta you gotta stretch out from time to time. I get that. But what I'm saying is, people ask people, where are the top five Tom Hanks I movies? Mean, oh, that thing you cast do. Cast away. He uh, killed Wilson. Wilson wanted to die. You think so? Yeah. I can totally see there being some YouTube theory. Wilson could have stayed if Wilson wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> he was going against the current. But I yeah, took out my to astrolabe and looked. Road to perdition. He played an assassin, dude. Yes, and it did not do. I think it did well. I, you, I'm sure you ever did, seen that movie? I'm sure he did fine as an actor. I don't think I've seen it. Well, that's kind of my point. <laughs> it's not a lot of people watch because I've you don't want to see Tom Hanks be He's a killer. You want to see him be who gets Meg Ryan in the movie. The oh, the, 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 the 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 widower who finds love again. The 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 guy, the FedEx guy who you know survives what, for five years. You know, it's funny. Recently, I saw a movie. I think it's called The Kid. Ethan Hawke's in it, and it's a western about uh, Billy the Kid and something else. But Christopher Pratt is in it. Do mm. you know who Christopher Pratt is? He's good. He plays a evil bad dude in that movie, and it was so I didn't know I didn't know it was him. I was like, oh man, he's going for it, and he's I mean he's got 
scars on him, and he's his knives out been out long enough to give spoilers away. What has it? Knives out, that Netflix movie. Well, I mean, I wouldn't ruin that. That's the whole the whole journey of that movie is the mystery. So don't spoil. Okay, it for but anybody. it does go against type on you. You get actors. You got James Bond playing a a southern southern gentleman lawyer kind of private eye kind of guy. Well, you need to go see Next of Kin because it it has everyone giving hillbilly. They call him hillbilly. It's the whole movie. And Liam Nielsen tries to do your niece. Are they whatever. playing the banjo or something? Yeah. Well, it's yes. It is so. It, is this deliverance, it, but for a modern audience? It, it, it's like and a, without the uh, pig scene. There's a lot of references to a lot of different things. So they hit you over the head. These people are from the hills, and it's. Uh, you ever heard of this movie called Next to Kin with Patrick Swayze? Um, it's an older. Yeah, it's an yeah, older yeah. film, but it has a bunch of it's like no road actors who are now. Well, no, it's I. I wouldn't call it a roadhouse, but it's up there uh, because of how ridiculous. I gotta watch it. Is. So if it's not on, if it's on anywhere but HBO, I'll watch it. Okay, but yeah, I just won't pay for HBO, especially when they started to lecture me on the history of movies. I can't track. You'll that. forget about that. You no, know, at one oh, point no. you're gonna lose your memory. Skippy holds a grudge. <laughs> And you're going to forget why you hate so many things. But I will hold on to the hatred, though. You are so hateful. The reason for the hatred is immaterial to the fact that I have the hatred. You know, uh, there was a movie called Memento. Mm. Uh, and there's an Christopher actor, Nolan. There's an actor in it who played Guy Hamilton. Stephen Tobolowski. Stephen Tobolowski, huh? He's one of those actors that you talk he's about. He's in the he's guy like, who's in that thing. He's in, like, Groundhog Day. He's the yeah, guy, he's Phil. Ned. He's like, Phil! Phil. Mm. Yeah. You ever seen Groundhog Day? I've got the movie Memento. Uh yeah, momentum. He's the tall guy with the very nasal voice. He's okay. Sammy. He's the uh, psychiatrist. Or, Juan. Sorry, he's not the psychiatrist. In Momento, he plays the character that's kind of based off of him retelling his condition. He's like, yeah, one time we had this guy who claimed he couldn't remember anything after 15 minutes. And we try to see if he was faking or not. He says the back... The, the, yeah, uh, he was the original... The original... Guy, yeah. Guy. But he also, the actor, play, you ever seen Groundhog Day... With yep. with uh, he's the guy who sees Bill Murray on the street all the time, going, Phil, like he like bothers him. He doesn't want to talk to him, and like he steps in the water puddle and all that kind of stuff. But he's like in I don't know what four hundred movies, but he always plays the side character. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, there's yeah there he's definitely with the. Uh, um, and that, so do you want to be a leading actor, or do you want to be like you just want to work and you want to enjoy the whole thing? Because it's because to me, what's what's impressive to me listening to you today is someone created an opportunity for you to be in a in a show, and your thought process there he is developed a book out of that opportunity. Because I don't think I mean you might have wanted to write a book, but when you're doing your process of becoming an actor, you're like you know what. I have enough material to write a book on this stuff. And that to me is really cool. Like if I was the director or the, the writer of the show, I'd be like, whoa, wait, I know some people are like method actors, but this is going a little bit above that. <laughs> there's method and then there's being a yeah, I can poopy head. I can get a little focused at times. You well, know, yeah. And that's what, that's what things. it kind of, right. I mean, to me, that's very impressive. And especially if you're looking for other gigs, it's like, no, I get really into it. If I really like something, I'm going to see, I want to develop as much as possible. And sometimes a book, is produced, or sometimes a, you know, an off story or whatever. But, Terry, in regards uh, to the acting, did you start off with stage work, or what's your? No, I really don't have any formal acting experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've, I've great I've, less to unlearn. Yeah, um, but I've done stuff on camera before. Okay, you know, homemade stuff, interviews, uh, plays in school, and stuff like that. I've always liked being kind of out front and 
doing my best out front, that kind of thing. So awesome. It's it's been a it's been a, a big learning curve to get to where I am today. The good thing is you can always improve. So, well, it seems that this has opened up. I, I think with mass media or the ease of being able to shoot a video with a phone or you know that your a worthy camera doesn't cost ten thousand dollars. That and, and along with non studio big non big studio productions, you know you got your independent productions that have opened it up. I love the fact that um that 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 scary movie uh, Paranormal Activity. The two guys that filmed it, they filmed it in their own house on weekends as a calling card, basically to say, you know, shop around the studios going, hey, buy buy this, remake it with stars. Hmm. And Steven Spielberg watched it and he's like, we're doing it as is. I'm going to give you some money to change the ending. And they always got to change something, man. I don't get that. Well, no, the the, the new ending is better. But same thing like Robert Rodriguez with uh, El Mariachi. Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Yeah. Well, he started off with El Mariachi where... They had so little money that the plot demanded two guitar cases. They could only afford one. So they shot all the scenes with one guitar case, and they put a tape on the uh, on it to make it be the other one. Their dolly was a broken wheelchair. I mean, this is how how low budget it was. Now he's Shark Boy and Lava Girl and Quentin, Tino's, Quentin Tarantino's buddy. Well, I mean, that Steven Soderbergh guy directed that the recent, his most recent movie with the iPhone, mm-hmm. the whole thing. So Which one? It's it, it 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 takes place in a crazy facility. I forgot. Yeah. I can look it up real quick. But yeah, it's it's all shot on iPhone. That was kind of like he wanted to try it, and then I forgot. I think Brie Larson's in it. I think you got some big actors in Captain it. Captain Marvel. And uh, but yeah, they play. It's like they're going crazy and some interesting. Yeah, but I mean, to me, it's the whole creative process is what's cool. People taking different perspective or different directions on stuff. And like you as an actor, like would you tell people I wrote a book based off me trying to act? Um, you know what? I don't have like, like I'm so focused on making breaking strongholds Mm -hmm. the best that I can. I don't, I'm not looking for future gigs or anything like that right now. I'm a writer. I'm working on my third book. So we got to find out what happens to Eli next, man. I'm focused on, on, uh, on what's going on today. So, but certainly, I mean, if somebody wanted to to know my commitment level, I'd, I'd fill them in there. Cause that's what I'm saying. Like if I read your resume or like, I'm like, Whoa, wait, what? And, but. I don't know if you include that on your resume, do you, when you're acting? To do what? B- book stuff? Yeah. Well, it depends on the resume. Well, I mean, like he wrote the book based off of a character he was researching or developing. Yeah, I mean, definitely you want to put it. I mean, every resume you want to highlight your, your skill set. Now, I mean, I'll get resumes from actors that the font is, you know, two-point aerial because they've got every single thing they did from kindergarten on up where I, I, I just need a sampling. I don't need to know you played tree number three 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, but you played Iago, both the parrot and the bad guy. Yeah. I, I want to know about that. So yeah, you want to, you mean from Aladdin? Yeah. Aladdin or, um, Ham, uh, uh, Othello. Sorry. There are two different Iago. Which one's more impressive to you? I've played both. Yeah, really? You played yeah. the parrot, the yeah. voice or an actual parrot? I played the parrot. That's a little weird. I did. If I, I just Gilbert Gottfried the hell out of it. That's weird. Oh, Jafar! Is that, is that the best you can do? That was the best. I well, on the spot, yeah. Oh, okay. No, I had three days to learn that role. The uh, the woman who had the role got detained, and so I had to step you in. You mean she got arrested? She was unable to do the show that weekend. She couldn't cross the border? What? Come on, give, She was unable to perform her acting duties that weekend, so I stepped she into the role. She got arrested. That's hilarious. Some actors, right? I mean, hey, my record's ten minutes. I had ten minutes to learn Friar Tuck one time. That was fun. 
But yeah, no, it's great. So we got local talent. We got you a don't production. Look like a Friar Tuck. Isn't Friar Tuck a big man? Am I well, thinking of, I'm thinking of Robin Hood, right? That's yeah, the right well, story. Friar, Friar Tuck just needs to look like he enjoys life. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Friar well, Tuck looks so comfortable with a jug Jerry, in his what, hand. What's your favorite movie? And then what's your favorite role? Mm. Well, I Or think, one you like. You don't have to say favorite. You can yeah. be like, what's, like, what's like, top of the head? What's the one you or, enjoy? Or what are your inspirations? You know, especially no, maybe no, no, character no. stuff. Don't describe that question. <laughs> yeah, I, li- I really like Dark Knight. The movie, like the, yeah, yeah. The movie, another Batman, Christopher Batman. Nolan movie like Memento. Yeah. I love Christopher for Christopher Nolan. Uh, Christian Bell's an incredible actor. Obviously Heath Ledger, he's he's incredible. So that that whole movie was. was I feel like I feel like uh, Christian Bale, he either had a lisp, or a, an impediment problem growing up because in the different movies he's in, I can't tell if he's trying to act in a certain way where he sounds off. But some movies he just sounds off. Well, he's English, so he's got to cover that up. Yeah, that's one thing. But like, like especially like in Batman, when he's Bruce Wayne, totally normal. But when he's doing the Batman voice, yeah. I was like, something's going on. Like, that, I think that was an an actor edition. Where yeah, he just like he it, wanted it. He, he sounds like he's stuffed it up. Sounds he sounds like, like he's off. Yeah, yeah. Where is he? Well, it's then, like, dude, blow your nose, Batman. And then I watched the movie Hostels with him in it, and he had some lines that, like, because he's playing an American uh, uh, northern soldier who this is post-Civil War, and I was like, he's trying. Well, see, he nailed but, American Psycho. I mean, you, you know, just that whole, yeah. hi, I'm Patrick Bateman, and I'm going to kill you. I don't you. know. It's really weird. Some actors just have that little, it's like he has, like, a thing in his upper lip. And he's like, he can't get over it. He's like trying to talk over something in his gums. Yeah, I think his talent uh, to play di- diverse roles, though, is, is there. He's, he's pretty incredible. Was it he the did, mechanic where he got down to like 90? Yeah, uh, machinist, thank machinist. you. But he didn't talk in that movie. Yeah, sure he did. I mean, he didn't. He, like, barely, his dialogue in the movie was very minimal. But he, he, well, he couldn't talk because he weighed 80 pounds. Yeah, true. I guess. I'm trying to. Did you know he was in the original Shaft? Or not the original, like the, the no, remake the remake Shaft? I don't believe in the remake of Shaft. He wasn't he was the bad guy in the remake of Shaft. Hmm. That really surprised me too. I was like, Whoa. There's nothing wrong with the original. Well, I mean, Samuel Jackson's a great Shaft. And you know, it's it's a, it's a it's all canon. Cause his dad is Shaft. So it's not a remake. It's a what sequel. What do you call it? Yeah. I mean, come on. There's there's Forgive a difference. Me. All right. There's a difference. Well, <laughs> We've had Terry Weaver in the studio. Terry's wondering what the heck he got into today. Uh, he's a local author, local actor. All the information, where to buy his books and all that stuff can be available on the descriptions. Uh, so what we're going to do, because we only have a couple more minutes left, uh, Terry has two books. Now, would you like to give them to, away together or two separate giveaways? It's up to you guys. Okay. Um, probably probably separate. Separate. Yeah. Okay. So what we're going to do to get these books... They are autographed. They're, autogra- they're autographed, and they're available to all the listeners. So on Friday's show, uh, which is the 7th, we're, you, between now and then, you're going to... I'm talking 9 a.m. By 9 a.m. On, uh, on the 7th, you get to contact us either through email. It's dick, dickandskippy at gmail.com. Call text at 936 228 Nine three six eight. Go on Facebook. Message us. Don't comment. Message us. It has to be a direct contact with us. You have to tell us your name, uh, and then you're interested in being entered into the drawing for the book. And some some contact method, right? You need that. It has to be a direct message. It can't be a comment because we. I mean that we're not going to pay attention. It has to be like a, a direct connection to us. That way, I. That's the only way I can do it efficiently. That's the way I feel. 
Uh, so you got till today all the way till Friday, 9 a.m., because we're going to take our 10 o'clock break, and I'm going to get all the names together, and we're going to draw them. So there you go. It's pretty cool, right? It is. I'm what I'm actually doing? I'm adding it to our uh, uh, comments so people. I always know. feel like he's doing other things. He's probably got he's, another show. going Yeah, he's on probably doing. That. Literally, he's probably writing a book right now. And uh, are you my I'm, life with Dick, and that's my book. <laughs> There's a lot of local uh, local restaurants and uh, allusions in the book. Okay. Allusions to local people. Um, well, oh, good! Of, I got to read it and figure so out. Who's hey, the, is like is is the uh, you don't have a character named Bordy Gunch? Is the, yeah, is there a senator and it's really evil and no. stuff? No, you'll have to read it. Yeah, I like there, it. there are yeah. a couple bad guys, a couple bad. There, characters. There's a Kindle version, right? Is there yeah. like a notorious bad person in Montgomery County? But oh, I mean, because yeah. I mean, the, fine bad. Well, I mean, like I remember this story with the DA in, and I don't know, it, it happened in Montgomery County where that young man burned the young the other kid. He like tied him to a tree and burned him. Wow, I don't recall I know they that. tried the case here, but I don't know if that was... I feel like that's one of those cases they moved it out of their jurisdiction here. Oh, they so, could have. Do we have, like, a bad person here? Well, it's not nice to throw eggs at people, Dick, when you just... Well, do we don't have a serial killer, do we? Like, back in the 1900s. Like well, that's the thing. You, you don't find out about them until it's too late. So we, I'm sure we do have a serial killer here somewhere. Great. Now I have to sleep on that one. <laughs> uh, we're going to we're gonna leave today... On in the morning. Uh, I really enjoyed today's show. Uh, don't forget, you can check us out every Monday through Monday, Wednesday, Friday at nine o'clock. Upcoming show on Friday. Lindsay Steele in the studio. Yeah, she's a teacher. And we're gonna talk about what the schools are doing uh, here in Montgomery County. She's. For, I mean, did you get this person from another place? So we're gonna. I'm gonna have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Welcome to my world. Yeah. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Terry, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Check guys. out his books, guys, and also uh, keep out uh, f- uh, for the TV show. It's Breaking Strongholds, right? I said that correct? Yep. Breaking Strongholds. Uh, and uh, keep an eye out for the local premiere. I think that's going to be kind of cool and support local actors and local, like, basically productions. Like, it was, that's a cool deal here in Montgomery County. Thank you so much for tuning in to Dick and Skippy in the mornings. We'll see you guys on Friday morning starting at 9 o'clock. And don't forget... To contact us for a chance to win the two book or one of the books, one of two, and books. we're not going to tell you which one you're going to get. So that's that's how we like to play it here on Dick and Skippy. We'll see you guys later. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.